Keynes cannot sign a blank cheque to help Bedford Hospital. More on this story coming up next with Ian Lee. The government is sending in teams of troubleshooters to hospitals in Buckinghamshire after placing County's NHS Trust into special measures. Stoke Mandeville, Wickham and Amersham hospitals were among 14 named in a report highlighting poor levels of care and weak leadership. The Health Minister, Dr Dan Poulter, told BBC Three Counties Radio the spotlight was now on managers. If you've got a bad doctor, you can be struck off, you can be sacked, you can be sued, you can go to uh, the High Court and potentially, um, if, if you really oversee negligent care, but we need to have the same penalties now applying to hospital management. So what we're looking at doing is introducing a barring list for bad managers in the NHS. 11-year-old primary school pupils in England are to be ranked in new attainment bands so that parents can see how their child compares to others locally and nationally. The government says the change will raise standards, but teaching unions believe some youngsters could feel labelled as failures. The bill allowing same-sex couples to marry in England and Wales has passed its final hurdle in Parliament. It's expected to get royal assent later this week, with the first marriages likely to take place next summer. The Conservative MP Mike Freer is gay. He told the Commons the result was a cause for celebration. For once we have done some good, and for once we have made a difference, and I look forward to issuing wedding invitations in due course. The nature of the terrorist threat against Britain is changing, according to the independent reviewer of terrorism legislation. In a report out today, David Anderson will say that plots involve fewer people with less planning than in the past. The report covers the period before the murder of Fusilier Lee Rigby in Woolwich in May. In sport, Britain's Chris Froome has tweeted to ask his rival Alberto Contador to take a little more care. It comes after the two nearly collided towards the end of stage 16 of the Tour de France. And the weather, hot and sunny with the chance of rain later and a top temperature of 32 degrees Celsius. That's 90 Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. 08459 Why am I giving the phone number out? You don't know what I'm talking about. Well, stay tuned and I will tell you. We've got more on the decision to close children's services at Bedford Hospital. There are now concerns being voiced over the cost implication for Milton Keynes, the site where many of the youngsters are expected to go. Well, are you concerned about this? As the government decides to send in troubleshooters to look at what's going on with the NHS in Buckinghamshire, we get reaction to the decision to put the trust on special measures. And today I'm talking holidays with the summer season upon us. Very simple question. Why would anyone want to holiday in the UK? It's expensive. You can't trust the weather. It's got very little to offer, hasn't it? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text 81333. Start your text 3CR. Or you can give me a call 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. If you go to the Facebook page, I I posted this up last night, why would anyone want to go on holiday in the UK? Most people are agreeing with me. I I was kind of expecting some sort of semi-backlash. But there's nothing. Most people are going, yeah, it's rubbish. Oh, I'm going to go to the UK, I've got to Spain, isn't it? Probably not in that accent, but that's kind of the message. 08459 455 555. Now, it's a story we've been covering, well, for quite a while now, the uh, the closing of children's services at Bedford Hospital, where there are now concerns over the cost implications to Milton Keynes Hospital because of that. 
Bedford will no longer provide children's accident and emergency or overnight care. MK hospitals say they are ready to help and do not expect any impact on their waiting times. But Labour and Cooperative Parliamentary spokesperson for Milton Keynes South, Andrew Pakes, says as a long-term measure it would cost too much money. I think the situation does raise some bigger questions. How long these arrangements will go on for? Will there be a cost implication for Milton Keynes? And how fast can we get Bedford Hospital back on track? We're a growing area. We need more health resources. And what we really need to happen here is Bedford and Milton Keynes both to have a children's unit up and running and serving local people. I've been reassured by the hospital team that in the short term, Milton Keynes can step in and help resolve the situation for children, seriously ill children, many of them who do need help and care. But I think once we get past the short-term blip, I think we've got to make sure that Bedford is up and running as soon as possible. Milton Keynes cannot sign a blank cheque to help Bedford Hospital. Conservative MP for Bedford, Richard Fuller, in the Commons yesterday called for an inquiry into how this has come about. At the end of this month, the East of England Deanery will remove junior doctors in paediatric services from Bedford Hospital. This will reduce paediatric services and obviously has major concerns for families with children in Bedford and Kempston and North Bedfordshire. Would my right honourable friend join with me and my honourable friend, the member for North East Bedfordshire, in calling for an open and independent inquiry into why the clinical supervisory failures continued at Bedford Hospital and were not addressed and the terrible consequences that have resulted as a consequence of this. Well, this was the response from the Health Minister, Dan Poulter. It's right that uh, there is now a a rapid action plan brought into place by local healthcare commissioners and uh, Health Education England supporting in that and getting in place the right supervision for uh, medical staff to make sure that we can put things right as quickly as possible. Well, a petition is now up and running to save children's services at Bedford and Rebecca Smith has signed it. Morning, Rebecca. Good morning. Rebecca, you've got an eight-year-old daughter, Bethany, haven't you? Tell us about Bethany. Yeah, Bethany's type 1 diabetic. Um, She was diagnosed uh, probably about five years ago, um, five and a half years ago now. Um, And a year later after that, she was diagnosed with celiac disease. Um, Now, just for for those who don't know, what's celiacs? Oh, celiac disease is where you can't eat gluten. You have to stay clear of wheat, oats, rye and barley. Okay. Um, It does have a knock-on effect with her diabetes as well, funnily enough. Okay. Uh, and, And you've used Bedford Hospital? Yes, yeah, we're constantly there. <laughs> um, and basically, what concerns me most about what's going out at the moment is, um, in fact, I'm shaking about it, thinking about it, is that when Bethany was diagnosed, um, her GP failed to pick it up, her, the locum at her GP failed to pick it up, NHS Direct, um, we were poorly advised, and by the time we got to Bedford A&E, um, Bethany was slipping in and out of consciousness. Um, and, I mean, like I say, this was five years ago now, and I'm shaking about it now, thinking about it. Yeah. Um, and basically what concerns me is that to a triage or to a nurse, um, you know, when you're going in and registering, when you go into A&E, um, she just looked like a sleepy baby in my arms. She was three mm. and a half years old at the time. Um, and because, of course, diabetes is, you know, it's, it's a hidden disease. And um, if I'd have been asked to go elsewhere with her or um, she hadn't have been considered a, um, a serious case. Um, I, I don't know if we'd have had a Bethany to hold now. So you're saying that if you'd have turned up at Bedford Hospital or, or uh, tried to make that extra journey, that extra long journey to, uh, to Milton Keynes, yeah. she might have died? Yeah, yeah. 
Well, that, uh, that, that brings it home, doesn't it? It does. So right. what do you think about the changes that are taking place? The, the closing of the children's A&E and, and the closing of overnight care. The wrong decision? Um, absolutely. It's just, it's absolutely incredible. Um, I mean, when Bethany was diagnosed, she was um, admitted and she was in there for five days. And those five days, I stayed with her by her bed day and night. Um, and it was a bit like having a lovely blanket wrapped around you and, you know, um, all the staff there were really nurturing, caring, kind, supportive. And your world is completely turned upside down when you have a child diagnosed with any long-term mm. um, illness. And um, to have that support there, um, and yeah, it was it literally, it was just like being wrapped in a blanket and being supported. And even when I go back now with Bethany, because Bethany has to go back and have lots of tests and all sorts of bits and pieces, um, you know, for her diabetes and her celiac disease. And even when I go back to the Riverbank ward now, I almost feel as if I've been, when I walk through the doors, I feel as if that blanket's being wrapped around me again. And that is the kind of support that, we as a family personally experienced when we went through what we went through with Bethany. Um, to not have that, or not, not have somebody else experience that, is an absolute crime. Rebecca, Bethany's, I mean, she still obviously has these conditions, but she's, she's okay now, is she? She's doing absolutely brilliantly, Excellent. I have to say. Thankfully, we don't have to use the service that much, but there are parents that I'm in touch with um, in Bedford who've also got type 1 diabetics, who sadly have had to use it at a very short notice. Diabetes is one of these conditions where you, sh- you could have a child running around a playground um, one minute and the next minute they're on the floor. Um, so having a service that's next to you, you know, literally within five minutes, um, is so, so important, um, not just for diabetics, but for all children. But you know, for, for diabetics, we, we have that comfort that we know that they're just there. They know the children. They know the situation. Um, and they can deal with it immediately and effectively. Rebecca, thank you so much for coming on and telling us your story. Best of luck, uh, best of, lots of love to Bethany. That's uh, Rebecca Smith, whose daughter, well, you heard the story. If Bedford Children's A&E hadn't been open, well, then her daughter might not have survived. What do you think? Are you concerned about the closure of the uh, children's uh, units, the, um, the A&E and the overnight care at Bedford Hospital? Are you worried that Milton Keynes won't be able to cope with it? 08459 455 555. I'm going through a very big Carol King phase at the moment, so let's have some, shall we? Yes, let's. When you're down and troubled Call 
King and I've listened. I've only ever listened to Tapestry and the big hits. I listened to a different album the other day. She's brilliant. Go and get her autobiography, ma'am. What a story! Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Why on earth would anybody want to holiday in the UK? It's expensive. You can't trust the weather. And let's be honest, everybody's very, very grumpy, aren't they? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five six fifteen. Travel news now. Here's James Wally. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thanks in motorways aren't bad at all. Keeping an eye on the cameras. No uh, significant, uh, in fact, no delays at all on the M1 from what I can see. M25's building up already into the roadworks between junctions 23 and 25, but uh, all moving from what we can see on the sensors and cameras. And on the trains, a good service across the three counties. If you're heading into London on the northern line, there are minor delays southbound, south of Camden Town, because of a signal failure down at Angel. I'm James Wally, BBC Three Counties Radio. James, thank you very much indeed. Nice and precise. And to the point. Right, 6.16. It's Wednesday the 17th of July. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Ian McLaughlin, the escaped prisoner wanted in connection with Saturday's fatal stabbing in a village near Berkhamsted, has been found and arrested. 
Bedford Hospital's decision to close some children's services, sending patients to Milton Keynes instead, is not financially viable. That's according to the area's Labour and Cooperative Parliamentary spokesperson, Andrew Pakes. In sport, Britain's Chris Froome has tweeted to ask his rival, Alberto Contador, to take a little more care after the two nearly collided towards the end of Stage 16 at the Tour de France. I suggest you go and have a word with him. Coming up... There's an alcohol consultation today looking at issues like cheap promotions and the effect of them. Well, I'll talk to a former alcoholic who's been di- diagnosed with sclerosis of the liver. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Every weekday from 12, Nick Coffer brings you great guests. Julian Clary. Welcome to BBC Three Counties Radio. Legendary Genesis guitarist Steve Hackett. Supertramp frontman Roger Hodgson. Carol Decker of Tapau fame joins me now. Great conversations. China in your hand is about the fragility of your dreams and that you should be careful what you wish for. Something very addictive about making people laugh is standing on stage and every few seconds getting that hit of a, of a laugh. Nick Coffer. Weekdays from 12 on BBC Three Counties Radio. How much do you drink? What would make you drink less if the price went up? Would you cut back if you had better education? Would you reconsider how much you had a week? Well, the Home Office are to give a formal response to their alcohol consultation today, which looks at issues like cheap promotions and health as part of a new alcohol licensing objective. But who knows what they'll suggest? It was only last week they dropped the idea of minimum alcohol pricing, a decision that was widely criticised by health campaigners. Well, Bill Taylor from Hemel Hempstead is a former alcoholic. He stopped drinking four years ago after being diagnosed with sclerosis of the liver. Morning, Bill. Good morning, Ian. You're sounding rather too perky for 6.18 on a Wednesday morning like this, for goodness sakes. Well, I've done... The reasons why that is because I don't drink. Really? Hang on, I don't drink and I feel as miserable as sin this morning. I want your secret. (laughs) Bill, when did you start drinking? I've been drinking more or less uh, uh, all my life. Uh... The reasons why I, I started drinking is because uh, I had a very b- bad car crash and uh, my friend next to me got killed okay. and uh, I didn't know about it at all and uh, of course this triggered me off and uh, I was drinking very, quite a, mu- a lot and then obviously a drink got hold of me and I was drinking and drinking and drinking and then of course it, it uh, affected my... Um, Marriage, uh, I got divorced, uh, and uh, uh, that triggered off again, and more and more and more and more. But the reasons why I was drinking a lot is because it was too cheap. Because it was too cheap? Yes. Let's go back a little bit, Bill. So before the car crash, mm-hmm. you, you could enjoy a couple of I'm pints. A moderate drinker. You could have a couple a social, of pints and walk away. Drinker. Social drinker, yeah. Social drinker. And then the car crash. And what do you think, was, was, it, was it kind of the guilt and, and yes. shame of it? Yes, it was the... Re- I felt the guilt because I was the driver. Yeah. I mean, I didn't drink or drive or anything like that. No, I was a very reasonable person, you know. But, um... No, no way I'd drink or drive, no. And, and anybody else, don't drink or drive. But, um, yes, it triggered me off. It triggered it. Uh, and uh, I'm assuming that, because it, it is kind of a cycle of guilt, isn't it, and shame, that, that yes. you, you, you feel guilt and shame, so you drink some more, and then you yeah. feel guilty and shameful after it's that. To forget. To forget. Mm-hmm. How much were you drinking? Oh, Ian, um, I could, I could dr- drink a reservoir... Uh, I was drinking strong stuff, 
uh, bottles of uh, whiskey, bottles of vodka, anything I could get hold of, actually. Yeah. Uh, just to deaden it and, and forget. Anything. And how long did this go on for? This was going on, it was in 83 that I had the crash. Yeah. Um, and it's been all, uh, ever since then. At what point, how did, oh, okay, let's, and you, you said, you, you said your wife left you. How did you, how, uh, at what point did your wife leave you? Why, why did she well, decide to go? What, what it was, Ian, is that I, I was getting to the smooth, uh, mood swings. Yeah. I was getting irritable. I was, I was getting grumpy. I was getting angry. I was, everything you could think of. And my wife just got fed up with it. Yeah. Um, but it was one of those things. I mean, yes, it was my fault in a way because I was drinking. But, uh, yeah, and another thing as well was to say I had a job, I was a driver, and um, another thing, yes, drink and drive. Uh, I was drinking and I was driving, and I got pulled up and I got lost my licence and everything, and it just ruined me. And, of course, I was then drinking and drinking and drinking and drinking and drinking more. And what... What made you stop, Bill? How did you, did you the get the strength to stop? I would like you, to, if you could, if, if it's possible, um, Ian, I would just like to do a dedication to a person called Lynn. Yep. She is the one that saved my life. And how did Lynn save your life? Well, I was in the bathroom. I, I was on a, I just was on a, oh, you could, I was just drinking and drinking and I was just collapsed in the bathroom. Yeah. And, uh, but, but unfortunately, she was going off to work and she couldn't do anything. She rung up the ambulance, left the door open, the ambulance came in, and she rung my daughter up at the same time as well. And then my daughter came and the ambulance came and they picked me up, put me into, uh, and we went to Watford, which I can't thank enough. Um, uh, and, and I died on the, on the table. Oh, blimey. Yes, and they brought me back to life. And when they brought me back to life, what they'd done was they'd done a sort of like a detox. Yeah. And all this that, that, that goes into it. Uh, and I was in hospital for four, five weeks. Uh, and once I'd recovered from everything that happened, I came out of hospital, Ian, and I've got an angel. I literally got an angel over me, looking at me, looking after me. And ever since then, I've never stopped. I've never, never had... So you've, you, you don't go to any meetings or, or, or see I a counsellor or anything? I used to, yes. I used to go to um, a meeting called uh, Turning Point. Yep. Uh, I went there, but I, I was... I was it was all right going to the meetings. They, they, they'd done everything they could for me. But I still had the craving to... When I went home, this is the thing I was... Ian, I was a secret drinker. Yes, yeah. yeah, so I used to go to pubs all the time, but I never got the satisfaction there because every time I was talking to people about my problems, they were getting drunk, I was getting drunk, and they weren't listening to me. No. And, of course, then I did. I went to these um, uh, A&A, I went to that and everything, but I still wanted to just forget. And um, what happened was that, yes, I went to hospital, I died, I came out of it. I, uh, the, hos the hospital, I can't thank enough. And, Bill, you're saying the reason that, that, that you continued drinking was because the alcohol was too it cheap. Was too cheap. It, it, really? Very. You know, I mean... But even if it... But listen, Bill, think back. I don't want to send you back there. I don't want to get, get a call tomorrow saying you're back off the wagon. But think back to your yeah. worst moment, right, when you were desperate, when you were drinking dregs or whatever it was you were drinking... You'd have found the money somehow, wouldn't you? Well, this is a thing. Now, I, I, obviously, I'm on income support, 
uh, and when I get my money every week. What happened, I, I used to have an off-license, which I'm not mentioning the name. No. Um, he used to tick me up. He used to give me... Uh, oh, a little bit of credit. Uh, well, I, I was getting three or four bottles a day. Yeah. Oh, I bet he loved you. I bet the off-license owner loved you. He loved Here comes Boozy Bill. Come on, let's rack him up. Yeah, that's the one. And, of course, obviously, I was getting into debt because I had to pay him back. Well, see, even Bill, you know, that that backs up the point. If you were getting into debt when alcohol was cheap, people will just get into more debt, won't they, if they put the price up? Exactly, because then I I had uh, problems of uh, paying my rent. Then I had uh, uh, food, uh, gas, electric. Oh, I could, I could, afford to pay anything. It's a cunning and baffling disease. Uh, but now, thank the Lord, and thank uh, Lynn, and thank my daughter, and the hospital, I have come out of it, and I've now got what they call a vice versa of of drink. I can't, I can't stand the smell of it. I don't like anybody around me that drinks. Yep. And it just gives me a reverse. Uh, I don't know what a word could I could put into words. Uh, it it just, um, I, I'm I'm allergic to it now. Well, perfect, Bill. Listen, well, let's let's end it on that positive note. I think we could all do with a lin in our lives, couldn't we? Good news there from Bill, clean and sober. Well, what would make you drink less? Do you think? I'm not sure. I mean, Bill got into debt, couldn't pay his rent when the booze was was cheap. If you're if you're a boozer, you'll always find a way to buy it. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five.
BBC Three Counties Radio, 08459 555555 is the phone number. Why on earth would anybody want to holiday in the UK? Oh, there's a cord, but the wrong one. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Perk right up when I heard that cord. Shame. I'm going to have that cord. Can we get that cord put on a hotkey? Because that's that's inspirational, isn't it? When you say something dramatic, oh my God, the butler's dead. Ding! It really is. We're going to get that on hockey. That's going to irritate people for the next two and a half hours. Over to you, Adam. Thank you very much, Ian. It's looking quiet on the roads. Everything moving well on the motorway, certainly. No delays on the M25 yet as you make your way through the roadwork section from Potter's Bar through toward Enfield and Chesant. Everything looking pretty clear, in fact, through roadworks on all of the roads of the three counties. We've got some works in Luton to be aware of. Skimpot Road, they're doing bridge maintenance work today and tomorrow at the junction with Craddock Road. In Bedford, temporary lights up on the A6 near Bromham Road. That can slow things down a little bit, but not looking too bad at all at the moment. And then on the A413 in Buckingham, they're doing some water main work at the total roundabouts. That means temporary traffic lights there as well. Trains running fine. Bit of disruption for the tubes this morning. The Northern Line. Unfortunately, minor delays via Bank, southbound Camden Town down to Kennington because of a signal failure at Angel. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much indeed. Right, let's get the latest news and sport now. Here's Catherine Boyle. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Ian McLaughlin, the escaped prisoner wanted in connection with Saturday's fatal fatal stabbing at a village near Berkhamsted, has been found and arrested. Bedford Hospital's decision to close some children's services, sending patients to Milton Keynes instead, is not financially viable, according to the area's Labour and Cooperative Parliamentary spokesperson, Andrew Pakes. And the government is sending teams of troubleshooters into Stoke Mandeville, Wickham and Amersham hospitals after placing Buckinghamshire's MHS Trust into special measures. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. The England striker Wayne Rooney's been left angered and confused after it emerged Manchester United did not plan to open talks about renewing his contract this summer. It's understood Rooney has expressed his disappointment to senior figures at Old Trafford after new manager David Moyes claimed Rooney would be second choice behind Robin van Persie. Better luck for our local clubs in football last night with victories all round in the friendlies. MK Dons beat Brackley 2-1 with penalties from Isel McLeod and Giorgio Rasulo. Uh, Stevenage beat a QPR 11-2-0 with goals from Luke Freeman and Greg Tanzi. Luton Town beat Hitchin 4-0 at top field with goals from John Shaw, Sean Wally, Dave Martin and Jonathan Smith and Wickham were 3-0 winners at Staines. Josh Gowan, Dean Morgan and Joker Four were on the score sheet there. Britain's Chris Froome has asked his Tour de France rival Alberto Contador on Twitter to take more care after the two nearly collided on yesterday's stage. Froome still leads by over four minutes but he knows how easily that yellow jersey could be taken away. One little accident and uh, that, that could be the end of your tour so... At the moment, I'm just trying to take take the uh, least risks I can, but stay at the front of the race. Everyone knows it's a dangerous descent, and we've seen a lot of images from the past on this descent, so I was aware that it was coming, but uh, I didn't really think that the guys were going to take uh, unnecessary risks there. 
And finally, tennis. At the age of 32, Martina Hingis is coming out of retirement to play her first competitive match on the WTA Tour since 2007. The winner of five Grand Slam singles titles has agreed to play in the doubles at an event in California later this month. And that's your latest news and sport. I'll be back with more at seven. Should we play with my new toy? Go on then. Okay, right. Hang on a minute. What's your new toy? (laughs) (laughs) Should have asked that first. No, it's not that one. Don't worry. I've left that in the car. No. So, right. Oh, oh, Catherine, I don't know if you've heard. Right, you mustn't say anything, though. Right, okay. uh, You can say what? I don't know if you've heard. What? uh, Catherine, I don't know if you've heard. What? The butler's dead. Oh, that's lovely. If I could raise just one eyebrow, I would have done it then. Go on, you you try one. You do one. Ian? Yes? I have nothing to say. Why? Oh, hang on. (laughs) No, it doesn't work for you. Hang on. Let me, try, let me try another one. Let me try another one. Okay. Oh, my God, Catherine. What's the matter? You two have split up. Go, go on, you try one. Um, okay. Ian. What? I bought a Westlife single. Uh, it, 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 sorry, Catherine, you've broken it. It's not working for you. Oh. We'll, we'll, have to, we'll have to move on. Sorry about that. Really, um, really disappointing. Very poor. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning, Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots coming up in the next 30 minutes. More on the, uh, that uh, Bucks NHS Trust that's been in the news recently. And also I'll be speaking to Justin Dealey. Can we find anybody this morning who is a big fan of holidaying in the United Kingdom? Beds, hearts and bucks anywhere. What's the point of holidaying in Britain? It's expensive, the weather's rubbish, the people are miserable. No, abroad every single time. Isn't it?
George Harrison loves Harry Krishna. I just, I've got a feeling there's something going on between those two guys. And why wouldn't there be? The Krishnas do the best vegetarian food. Oh, there's off Soho Square in London. There's a cracking Krishna restaurant that I put off going into for ages because it's Krishnas and you, you know, they're nice people, but they are, they're lovely people. But you think, oh, are they going to ring a bell in my face? But, but, but it's the best vegetarian food. Wonderful. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. If you want to recommend any other Krishna vegetarian restaurants, you're more than welcome to, of course. Now, the government is to send in hit squads, a rather dramatic term, into the hospitals of 11 NHS trusts, including Buckinghamshire Healthcare, where thousands of patients could have died needlessly and senior managers face the sack if standards don't improve. An inquiry after the failings at Stafford Hospital has highlighted examples of poor care, incompetence and weak leadership following a review of NHS trusts with high death rates. Our reporter Tara Gungafull is in the studio. Morning, Tara. All this came out yesterday lunchtime, didn't it? Yes, that was when the NHS Medical Director for England, Professor Sir Bruce Keogh, published his long-awaited report. There's been lots of chat about this for a long time and it all was about the quality of care and treatment provided by 14 NHS trusts and foundation trusts in England. They've all had persistently higher than normal death rates. Now, Sir Bruce's inquiry followed the problems at Mid Staffordshire, a story that held the front pages of the papers for weeks and in many ways still hasn't been resolved completely. Well, as a result of those revelations, the government has stated that it wants to put patients at the heart of the NHS. Now, some, I love that. Sorry, to, I love yeah, the fact they have to state that. I know. Surely that's the the principle behind it, anyway. Exactly. You know, I'm questioning why they have to say it yep. as well because well they should have been there in the first place. Now, speaking to three counties yesterday. Health Minister Dr Dan Poulter said the revelations in the report didn't mean all services were poor. Everything at these hospitals isn't bad um, and we know that um, there are, you know, good, there's good care that happens uh, at Buckingham and, 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 and elsewhere but the challenge is to make sure that the whole hospital provides outstanding care and um, the concern that was flagged up in the review is there wasn't consistently high quality care and there are also some questions about hospital leadership. What did uh, Professor Sir Bruce Keogh's report say? Well, a lot of what we had expected, and it was interesting then, just listening to the Health Minister, Dr Dan Poulter, he talked about the fact that there was good care, because although you might have a high death rate, it doesn't mean to say that care is bad. Yep. It could be something that's happening in the local community that can that can boost those very unfortunate numbers. Um, and in the report, it did say that Buckinghamshire Healthcare NHS Trust... Um, has had 309 needless deaths and and we know that the trust runs Stoke Mandeville and Wickham hospitals and that was a figure that local people were very interested in not surprisingly and one thing I don't think we flagged up yesterday this is over a period of years isn't yes, it this is several years. this isn't like yes. in 2012 no this is a number of years these eight years isn't yes, it something that, like that the hospital although they didn't want to talk to us yesterday when we first looked ahead at this report mm. um, we know that in February they produced a statement that said um, you know we know about this figure and we'd put in different practices to make sure that we could address this and there'd been improvements year on year. Okay, now what did the, the Health Secretary Jeremy Hunt tell the House of Commons about these NHS trusts? Well he was reporting on the findings um, and said that the worst performing hospitals within 11 trusts, which we now know include Buckinghamshire Healthcare, will be placed in special measures for what he described as fundamental breaches of care. He said the report had found thousands more patients, and this is over the 14, mm. had died in those hospitals than would normally be expected. Now Mr Hunt explained what action would be taken against the hospitals which were found to have what he described as these fundamental breaches of care this would include hit squads being sent in you referred to that terminology perhaps it's not exactly appropriate it sounds a little bit unpleasant doesn't it it does troubleshooters yes. i think Catherine's calling them in the bulletins and uh, anyway sending in these squads and that details of any failings would be made public each hospital will be required to implement the recommendations of the keo review 
with external teams sent in to help them do this, their progress will be tracked and made public. The TDA or monitor will assess the quality of leadership at each hospital, requiring the removal of any senior managers unable to lead the improvements required. What's been the response locally on this? Well, the Conservative MP for High Wycombe, Steve Baker, called for underperforming NHS boards to be sacked without delay, and he pulled no punches when he spoke in the House of Commons, uh, with some of the worst examples of hospital care already brought to his attention. Walter Coles died because he was forgotten. Edward Maitland died because he was fed solid food. I could name others. These are just a few of the patients who have died unnecessarily. And yet, high mortality only made it onto the board's agenda because of a trigger that was concern for reputational risk. There were no robust risk management practices in place with the board in Buckinghamshire. There were no plans to put them in place. And some key risks related to changes in urgent care were missing. And we'll be talking to Wickham MP Steve Baker later on in the programme. If you have a look at his website, actually, he's been following this for... for a long time and he's certainly had uh, you know a great deal of uh, interest in the story not surprisingly now one of the 11 trusts put into special measures by the health secretary for fundamental breaches of care is as we've said the buckinghamshire healthcare nhs trust they've sent us perhaps the longest statement in history haven't they it is incredibly long so i did spend some time this morning subbing it down but in essence this is what they have to say um buckinghamshire healthcare nhs trust said with regards to today's program yep. it, it was unable to provide a guest um as the relevant spokespeople were briefing staff now um i don't know if they've had an exceptionally early start this morning but i do appreciate that they're probably very busy addressing some issues within the yep. within the hospital and talking to employees but in a statement the trust chief executive Anne eden said that they welcome the report they take its recommendations very seriously they're encouraged that overall there were no significant issues with the safety or quality of care provided at their hospitals but admitted there were many instances where patients and staff said they got it wrong and they accept it's not good enough they're going to look at all patient complaints raised throughout this review to see whether they are already being dealt with or to identify any further action that needs to be taken um, they've already put in actions in place that will be reviewed again in october so we'll be able to see how that progress is is developing and Anne eden also says that these are her words specifically i know that staff at buckinghamshire healthcare work very hard to deliver good quality care day in day out on occasions we don't always get it right but there is an absolute commitment to continue improving and to ensure safe services for local people the statement ends with three words every patient counts tara thank you very much well after the news and travel we're going to be speaking to pam mabbit whose um, dad uh, died in stoke mandeville hospital so keep listening for that pam if you just stay on the line we'll get you in a couple of minutes oh eight four five nine four double five five double five coming up to a quarter to seven let's get the travel news now here's adam Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. We're still not looking too bad on the roads. Everything seems to be moving quite well in Luton. Work starting today on Skimpot Road. They're doing some bridge maintenance work today and tomorrow at the junction with Craddock Road. Star Street in Ware. Electricity work will be ongoing for another couple of days at the junction with Bowling Road. That's along the B1004 where you're going to find the works. And then as you make a journey toward London this morning, the A1 is starting to slart through Boreham Wood. The speed sensor is picking up delays from Stirling Corner toward Apex Corner. Looking quite slow on the cameras around there as well. M25 starting to busy up a little bit as well into the roadworks as you make your way past Chesant at Junction. 
25. On the trains, no major problems reported. On the tubes, we still have some issues for the Northern Line. If you're making a journey into London on the tube, minor delays via Bank southbound from Camden Town to Kennington, all because of signal failure at Angel. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. Uh, Pam, who I just mentioned, uh, we're going to move her a little bit later on. It's an incredible story, and I want to give her the, the time that she deserves. So we will have her a little bit later on in the show, and we'll be hearing about uh, her dad, Bill, who passed away at Stoke Mandeville Hospital. Right, 6.46... It's Wednesday the 17th of July. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Ian McLaughlin, the escaped prisoner wanted in connection with Saturday's fatal stabbing in a village near Berkhamsted, has been found and arrested. The campaign to keep the full range of children's services at Bedford Hospital has been stepped up with the launch of an online petition. In sport, the England striker and football superstar Wayne Rooney has been left angered and confused because someone gave him a book. I'm joking! After it emerged, Manchester United do not plan to open talks about renewing his contract this summer. Coming up, why the heck would you ever want to holiday in the UK? I bet we cannot get one phone call this morning, one phone call from someone defending the idea of holidaying in the United Kingdom. I bet we can't find anybody. 08459 455 555 Can we find this morning one person who thinks it's a good idea to holiday in the United Kingdom? Why would you want to? Justin Dealey, I think he's going to do his best to try and defend holiday in the UK. Bearing in mind, this is the man that goes to Ibiza three times a year and is more orange than a satsuma. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello, good morning. Well, we have a very warm start out there. Temperatures up into the high teens in some spots and we've got plenty of sunshine to enjoy throughout the day today. And in that case, you know it's going to happen. It's going to get hot once again. Temperatures up to the top 20s at least. I think one one or two places might hit 29 or 30. And uh, there is a very small chance as we go through the late afternoon and evening spots that we might just get a thunderstorm that builds up. Now, they're going to be really, really isolated. If you see one, I should be very surprised. But it is a chance and I'm just warning you of it uh, that's across uh, any uh, generally any of the counties as we go through the evening and overnight largely dry and clear temperatures really not falling very far I think probably 15 degrees at the lowest in the countryside but in the urban areas of course it's still quite uncomfortable for sleeping and tomorrow we have another hot day there is going to be plenty of sunshine and again temperatures at least in the top 20s but some places hitting 30 or 31 uh, after that Friday in the weekend looking a little bit fresher it is going to be a case that we'll have a bit of an easterly breeze blowing it will still be sunny but temperatures will be nearer the mid-twenties which i think will be a relief for some of us that's how it's looking for now thank you very much wendy So fine, fine, so fine 
There's one man you should come and speak to. You've got a problem with a mattress, I gather. Tell me all about it without naming any company name. Jonathan Vernon-Smith. Well, every time she tried to book, the trip was cancelled because of adverse weather. The JVS show fights for your rights and tackles your consumer problems. Just send the receipt off and you'll get the cheque in the post. If you need our help... I went to speak to the man that runs this golf club. Email jvsshow at bbc.co.uk. I'm just very pleased that you've got the money. And we could do the same for you. Thanks ever so much, Jonathan. The JVS Show on BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning, I'm Ian Lee. This is Justin Dealey. Hello, Ian. Good morning, Can sir. Can you believe Bruno Mars in that song, which mm. I, I'll be honest, is, is perhaps one of the worst songs I've ever heard when we played on this show again. <laughs> I knew he was going to say that. Oh, it was terrible, wasn't yeah. it? Terrible. He uses the line, you, oh, you sexy lady. Uh, now, listen, you yeah. are a mover and indeed a groover. Uh, would oh, you yeah. ever, Justin, would you ever say to someone, oh, you are a sexy lady? Well, quite possibly after a few beers, yes, but uh, certainly not sober. And I certainly hope that Bruno Mars, when he was recording that tune, was sober. Uh, let, uh, let's hope, and I'm sure he was, uh, let's hope that all of the world's pop stars are sober <laughs> and free from anything <laughs> when they're using studio equipment, because we don't want anything to go wrong well, in the I was, studio. I was surprised. I thought, well, well, where's the Beach Boys? Where's the Monkeys? Here's Bruno Mars. And there you go. You cut the song nice and early, so yeah. it didn't surprise me. <laughs> now, Justin, the reason we've got you here, we're asking this morning, why on earth would anybody want to holiday in the UK? I don't know if you've seen this report, uh, Justin. Tourism experts are predicting a big boost to the UK industry because of the hot weather. Yeah, I know. It, it can't last, can it? Most it of the can't. time, our weather is rubbish. Yep. And if you, the thing about holidaying in the UK, a weekend, fr- go out on a Friday, come back on a Sunday afternoon or a Monday, yeah. beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> I could do that. Wonderful. Yeah. Because a weekend is all you could spend anywhere in the UK. A week... Yeah, it's pushing it. You'd never have a fortnight holiday in the United Kingdom, would you? Can you imagine three weeks? Can you imagine three weeks uh, in this country? Oh, my goodness. Why? This, this morning, I guarantee we will not get one person who can call up and go, Oi, hang on a second, Lee. You are talking out your backside. The UK is perfect for holidays. It's expensive. You can't trust the weather. The people are miserable. And there's only so many old castle ruins you can look at. Yeah, do you know what I have to say? Normally you're wrong, but on today's occasion, you are absolutely spot on. Re- rewind. Yeah, you, you are right. Absolutely right. Because Rewind a little bit but beyond that. Normally well, I'm wrong. Yeah, normally. No, yeah. no, I'm not. Yeah, normally you're kicking off and you're wrong. You uh, never holiday in the UK. I can't it. imagine you in a caravan in Dorset. I just no. can't picture it. Not my cup of tea. In saying that, do you know what? It's sod's law, this. Do you remember back in June when you took a week off? I do remember and it, yes. I normally go Wonderful. away in the UK for, for that week every year, yeah. but I thought to myself, uh, this year I'm not going to bother because I've been for the last five years and all it's done is rain consistently all week. It's been freezing cold. I've not bothered. As it turns out, that week was absolutely glorious. That's a really, really boring anecdote. Yeah. Don't open with that <laughs> I'm one. Just saying, I'm just so, saying. Justin, you have been out speaking... <laughs> 
You've, you've been out speaking to people. What have mm. they been saying? Yes, I've been talking to people <laughs> about holidaying in the UK. I think you're going to get on well with the tourism board later on, aren't you? They're oh, they're coming on, you. aren't they? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for goodness oh, sakes. They're going to love you. So I've been asking people, would they prefer to holiday here in the UK or abroad? And uh, this is what people had to say. Yes. When was the last time you went away? Uh, last year. And where'd you go? Hunstanton with my granddaughter. So Hunstanton or I can sell you Ibiza. Which would you prefer? Hunstanton. Yeah. Why go to why pay why go to Ibiza when you can stay in England and have the same experience, better experience over here, I think. Madam, you're from Jamaica. You've got that infectious laugh, haven't you? Come on, let's hear it. <laughs> I think it's wonderful. Now, considering you're from Jamaica, we know about Jamaica, we know about the hot weather, the beautiful beaches. Can the UK really compare to somewhere like Jamaica when it comes to a holiday? Can it really compare? Be honest. No, definitely not. (laughs) So somebody said to you, a week in Jamaica or a week in the New Forest, it will be Jamaica every time. I'd rather to be Jamaica every time. The weather, the fresh food. Oh, it's only go abroad. It, it just means you get to see something different, doesn't it? You know, I mean, if you go abroad, if you go on holiday here, you know roughly what's here. So, you know, you're not seeing anything different. And then you've got the weather, which you can't predict. So, I mean, it's nice at the moment, but it could change any time, couldn't it? Gary, would you really want a holiday here in the UK? Uh, I do most of the time, yes. I'm just one of these people who can't be bothered going abroad. So when was the last time you went abroad then? 1986. 1986. And where was that? That was in Spain, Benidorm. Good time? Yeah, it was one of them things you do when you're young, you know what I mean? Lads all over. Yeah, basically, yeah. (laughs) So you haven't been abroad since then. That's a long time. Do you you not miss going abroad? No, no. I thought it was a waste of time, to be honest. I've done everything I can do here, I've done there, so it made no difference. Madam, you're looking pretty tanned. Now, where have you got that tan from, then? <laughs> UK. Wow. Now, would you prefer to go abroad, or would you prefer to holiday in the UK? Abroad. Sun, sea, everything. <laughs> so the idea of going away somewhere in this country, does that kind of fill you with dread, because you don't quite know what to expect in terms of the weather? Really, yeah, and expensive. Expensive. You try staying in a and b Justin, you could get a nice little hotel just a couple of miles from the beach in Spain for half that price. You could too. It's very expensive in this country to eat out. Do you know what? A man has just turned up here very, very briefly with a pink suitcase. Uh, sir, what's your name? David Gardner. David, apparently you're from Texas and uh, you're going to Inverness. Is this true? That's true. Yeah? So what's so great about holidaying here in the UK? Oh, it's great. It's wonderful, especially in the Highlands. Not too expensive? Mm, yeah, a little bit, but not too bad. Okay. Out of ten, how would you score this country for holidaying here? Oh, um, eight out of ten. Not much of a Texas accent. Well, no. <laughs> I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a Brit living in Texas. Right, fantastic. All the very best. Thank, Thank you. you. There you go. Lovely that doesn't pink count. No, that doesn't, doesn't count. count. No, no, we can't. He, really he's accept British. That. He can't, yeah. That's not a holiday. He's coming home. No, it's just a man who looks smart with a pink suitcase. No. Thought, what can we find here? No, we can't accept that. Sorry. So, Justin, are you, whereabouts are you this morning? I'm going to be off to uh, Luton Airport. What I'm going to do, I'm going to try um, an experiment this morning. Yep. I'm going to be going mm-hmm. off to, to speak to people going off to hot climates and try and convince them that maybe they shouldn't be going to Spain, that maybe they should be going to somewhere like Bognor Regis instead. So, okay. we'll see how long it lasts before I'm kicked off the airport. You try and find those people going off to hot climbers and yes. we will speak to you a little bit later on. Justin Dealey, thank you very much indeed. 08459 455 555. We, we will be speaking, or I will be speaking, to the Chief Executive of Visit England later on. I might tone down my opinions ever so slightly when I speak to him. I don't want to upset him. Oh no, I'll tell him. England's rubbish for holidays, isn't it? Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
We just had a call from Ray, who said he's going southbound on the M1 and Junction 9 is looking particularly busy. Well, I've just had a look on the cameras and he's not wrong. It is quite slow around there this morning. We haven't had any reports or problems around there. Certainly no accidents around there as far as I can see, but it is looking particularly busy. If you're stuck in it and you can see anything else, certainly if you get wind of an accident or a breakdown, give us a call and let us know. 08459 455555. The M25 anti-clockwise is slow from Waltham Abbey through to Enfield coming into the roadwork section. Very slow then from the M1 round to Kings Langley and again from Maple Cross to the M40. Usual delays through Boreham Wood on the A1 from Stirling Corner toward Apex Corner. And on the tubes, the Northern Line is now back to normal. It's running, I believe, now with minor delays via bank on the southbound side between Camden Town and Kennington. They had a signal failure at Angel earlier today. Trains across the three counties running well. Adam Glenn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Adam. More in 15 minutes. We'll have more on concerns about how Milton Keynes Hospital will cope now that Bedford Hospital has announced it's closing its children's wards. All of that and more after the news with Catherine. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's seven o'clock, the headlines. Prisoner wanted for Hertfordshire murder found. Bedford Hospital campaigners launch online petition and league table plans for primary pupils. BBC Three Counties Radio. An escaped prisoner wanted in connection with Saturday's fatal stabbing in a village near Berkhamsted has been arrested. 55-year-old Ian McLaughlin was found at an address in London at around one o'clock this morning. He'll now be questioned on suspicion of the murder of 66-year-old Graham Buck. The campaign to keep the full range of children's services at Bedford Hospital has been stepped up with the launch of an online petition. A public meeting will be held at Borough Hall tomorrow morning at 10. But in the meantime, people like Rebecca Smith are adding their names to a growing list of objectors on Facebook. Rebecca's three-year-old daughter was diagnosed with diabetes at the age of three and she says Bedford Hospital saved her life. What concerns me is that to a triage or to a nurse, um, you know, when you're going in and registering, when you go into A&E, um, she just looked like a sleepy baby in my arms because, of course, diabetes is, you know, it's, it's a hidden disease. And um, if I'd have been asked to go elsewhere with her or um, she hadn't have been considered a, um, a serious case, I, I don't know if we'd have had a Bethany to hold now. The government is sending teams of troubleshooters into hospitals in Buckinghamshire after placing the county's NHS trust into special measures. Stoke Mandeville, Wickham and Amersham hospitals were among 14 named in a report highlighting poor levels of care and weak leadership. The coalition's putting forward proposals to rank every primary school child in the country in order of ability. Ministers say sorting pupils into attainment bands will give parents a clearer indication of how their child is doing. But the General Secretary of the National Association of Head Teachers, Russell Hobby, thinks it's a bad idea. You're turning around to an 11-year-old and basically telling them, you know, you're in the lowest 10% of pupils in the whole country. And I just think that's a terrible thing to tell an 11-year-old. I think it stops their aspiration uh, at that point. Uh, And the worst part about it is, is that these tests are not that accurate. Uh, That child may be average or they may even be an an outstanding performer. But when you put an 11-year-old through a 45-minute test, if it's a hot day, if they've been up late the night before, that really does affect their performance. 
The nature of the terrorist threat against Britain is changing, according to the independent reviewer of terrorism legislation. In a report out today, David Anderson will say that plots are involving fewer people and less planning than in the past. The bill allowing same-sex couples to marry has passed its final hurdle in Parliament. It's expected to get royal assent later this week, with the first marriages likely to take place next summer. In sport, the former Australia coach Mickey Arthur has confirmed he's suing Cricket Australia for up to £2.5 million following his dismissal last month. Leaked Court documents detail a rift between the captain Michael Clark and Shane Watson. The weather hot and sunny with the outside chance of rain later and a top temperature of 32 degrees Celsius, that's 90 degrees Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, if you want to give us a call. Well, there's lots to talk about this morning, including more on the decision to close close children's services at Bedford Hospital. Concerns are now being voiced over the cost implication for Milton Keynes, the site where many of the youngsters will be expected to go. Are you concerned? As the government decides to send in troubleshooters to look at what's going on with the NHS in Buckinghamshire, we get reaction to the decision to put the trust on special measures. And today we're talking holidays. With the summer season upon us, why would anybody want to holiday in the UK? It's got nothing to offer at all. 08459 455 555 81333. Start your text 3CR. Or you can go to facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. A quick look at the Facebook page. Where we posted this last night. Uh, why would anyone want to holiday in the UK? I kind of expected a little bit of a backlash. Go, wait, whoa, don't you slag off the UK? It's brilliant. Not many of you have. Turns out most of you agree that holidaying in the UK is rubbish. Let's see what we've got here. Helen says, for the last three years, I've had my holiday in the winter. Either Christmas or New Year in Gran Canaria restores the body and mind wonderfully. I could not go away over Christmas. No, Christmas is at home. At most, travelling to your parents, but Jenny says, I've got pets. They are my choice and responsibility. I couldn't enjoy a holiday abroad knowing they were stuck in kennels. So I confine myself to... Jenny, really? I confine myself to day trips and the occasional overnight stay? There's so much in this country to see and do. Yeah, some old castles and pebbly beaches. And I'm supporting the British tourist industry. No frustrating planning or booking, no airports, flights, disappointing hotels or boring days on a beach or by a pool. You're going to the wrong places, Jenny. Foreign holidays don't have to be by the pool or on a beach. Go to Barcelona. Go to Berlin. Go to New York City. Uh, Gary says, cost more, cost more to holiday in England than going to Spain, etc. And the weather here isn't very good. Louise says, because the UK is all I can afford, there are beautiful areas not many hours from three counties. Not many hours from three counties. Hours from three counties. New Forest, Cotswolds, etc. Great for short breaks. Weeks away, camping. They are great for short breaks. But weeks away? Really? Then going north or to Scotland, Wales. So much to do at home. 
uh, Rick says, we've been lucky and spent many fantastic holidays in the Caribbean. But if you can get lucky with the weather, then the Welsh beaches are fantastic. If you can get lucky with the weather. That's the key, isn't it? We're having amazing weather at the moment. Who'd have thought it? We had a horrible, horrible June. Who'd have thought we'd have amazing weather now? 08459 555 You cannot say that a British holiday is better than a holiday in Spain, in Ibiza, in Greece, the Greek islands. Can you? Can anybody phone up and convince me otherwise? 08459 455 555. Now, there are concerns over the cost implications to Milton Keynes Hospital following the closure of children's services at Bedford. Bedford will no longer provide children's accident and emergency or overnight care. Milton Keynes Hospital say they are ready to help and do not expect any impact on their own waiting times. But Labour and Cooperative Parliamentary spokesperson for Milton Keynes South, Andrew Pakes, says as a long-term measure it will cost too much money. Well, whatever the cost, parents in Bedford are worried about what this will mean. Rebecca Smith's eight-year-old daughter, Bethany, has to use the services at Bedford because of her type 1 diabetes and celiac disease. She is very concerned. What concerns me is that to a triage or to a nurse, um, you know, when you're going in and registering, when you go into A&E, um, she just looked like a sleepy baby in my arms. She was three mm. and a half years old at the time. Um, and because, of course, diabetes is, you know, it's, it's a hidden disease. And um, if I'd have been asked to go elsewhere with her or um, she hadn't have been considered a, um, a serious case, um, I, I don't know if we'd have had a Bethany to hold now. But is Milton Keynes a feasible alternative? Labour and Cooperative Parliamentary Spokesperson for Milton Keynes South, Andrew Pakes, is on the line now. Andrew, what do you think about this? Is Milton Keynes a feasible alternative? Uh, morning, Ian. Morning. I mean, first up, this is a really serious situation facing Bedford Hospital. I don't think they would have... Uh, withdrawn the services if there wasn't something seriously going wrong there uh, so I am pleased that Joe and the Milton Keynes Hospital team have been able to step up to the plate and provide the help here because the first thing we've got to have in mind is uh, the children who need care need to keep on getting care but what I, you know, I think there are bigger questions behind this as well this is a short term fix uh, and I am glad that Milton Keynes can step in but what I want to know going forward is how long will this uh, arrangement be in place for? Uh, Milton Keynes Hospital is providing extra staff to help deal with this situation. When are we going to get Bedford up and running again? And what arrangements are in place for parents whose children may be seen at Milton Keynes but live in Bedford to ensure they can still visit their children uh, about extra costs they may be incurring? Sixty up to sixty kids a day use Bedford's uh, A and E service, children's A and E service, uh, and while some of those will be, I guess, split between Milton Keynes and Northampton, that could be thirty, forty extra children visiting Milton Keynes A and E a day. Could they cope with that? Uh, I, th- I think the hospital will cope with it. Uh, I've you know, been reassured by the hospital that you know this is a really bad situation, um, but Milton Keynes Hospital and its staff. Uh, are going to do the extra work to make sure that operations aren't cancelled for children in Bedford and to make sure that these uh, extra patients can be uh, put in alongside what we've got in Milton Keynes. But I'm very sure this needs to be a short-term fix to help out those people in Bedford and not become a long-term pattern for us. Andrew, you mentioned that um, more staff would have to... or, or, or the, the staff would be working more hours and there would be more staff. Do we know anything about numbers yet? 
Uh, I don't know numbers. Uh, the hospital has said they can rotate more staff to deal with the situation. Obviously, some of the team from um, some of the other staff around Bedford can help out in the situation, and we know that Luton and Dunstable and other nearby hospitals are helping out as well. But it's going to be it's going to involve more staff, and that's going to cost more money, isn't it? Absolutely. You know. Bedford's being the Bedford Children's Unit is being shut down. There was obviously some. There was obviously money that was used to run that service there. So this isn't just about Milton Keynes digging into its rainy day fund. Uh, the NHS in the east of England will help foot the bill for some of this as well. And that's where the questions are. I think we just need to make sure that this isn't a blank check for Milton Keynes. That uh, the extra work we're doing in the city here to help people from Bedford is actually being uh, recompensed back to us. Uh, are you sorry? Are you asking, uh, hoping to get money from Bedford for this to contribute towards this? Uh, what I'm saying is that when the hospital, when Milton Keynes is picking up some of the extra work here, I think we just need to make sure that that work is paid for. Remember, in the NHS, every operation that's done, all the work that's carried out there, uh, a flow of money goes with that, and. Uh, Milton Keynes will get the extra resource for carrying out operations for some of the extra care they've got there. What I just want to make sure is that that actually flows through the system and we don't miss out because this is an unusual situation. You say it's, it, it could work as a short-term measure. We spoke to um, Stephen Conroy, the acting chief exec of Bedford, yesterday. He said that he was hoping to get the service back up and running uh, in Bedford by March of next year. Is that soon enough for you? Um... I'm not the best person to tell you how soon enough it is. To me, I want to make sure that when Bedford reopens, it has the right number of doctors and healthcare staff so that children get the best help they can get. Because that's what's at the heart of this. It, the service had to be shut down because it wasn't providing mm. standards of, of care that some very poorly children needed. Now, I want Bedford up and running as soon as possible, but I want to make sure when it does open, the standards are there for the children and for their families that need them. But what I want to make sure is that this isn't, you know, this isn't a backdoor way to move services permanently to Milton Keynes. And I don't think it is. I just want us to keep our eye on the ball and us to get Bedford up and running safely again so that Milton Keynes and Bedford both have the services we need. Have you, had, uh, have you spoken to Bedford Hospital and have they given you assurances that this isn't a back, this sneaky way of, of closing down the services permanently? Uh, I've spoken to Milton Keynes Hospital uh, and I'm reassured that they've got a really good action plan in place to make sure they can pick up this extra work, um, that they can plan out what's happening. Not all, and as I know, not, not all the children will be coming to Milton Keynes, mm. they'll be going to other hospitals as well. Um, this isn't about changing the way that Bedford Hospital runs in the long term, but I just want to make sure that we work Milton Keynes works with Bedford to resolve their problems as soon as possible. When I spoke to Stephen Conroy yesterday, he uh, is uh, a little bit vague at times, and I was reading between the lines, and again, this is just my opinion, although other people do agree with this, I kind of got the impression, I, I would be very surprised if those children's units reopened again in March next year. Well, I think that's the, that's the challenge for us. Milton Keynes hasn't agreed to provide this extra help. Now. What could you do, though, if, if, if it didn't open? What, what could you do? You, you would still have to accept the patients, wouldn't you? Or the, the hospital, sorry. Absolutely. And, you know, the bottom line here is that NHS professionals, our hospital, needs to help children who need that help. But I think it's a public campaign, and that involves you, me, and everyone else, to make sure that we get the hospital services that we need. I see this as about Milton Keynes being a good neighbour to uh, a town in need next door because of problems in its children's services. 
but I definitely will be fighting tooth and nail. I think a lot of other people will be if this becomes a suggestion this is a permanent fixture. Well, one of the things is, Andrew, that Milton Keynes is growing rapidly. As you know, you've got the fastest growing older, uh, older population in the UK and that will put huge stresses on the health service. You say it's not a long-term solution, but health professionals could be thinking very differently. Are we all being shortchanged here? I hope not. I was uh, a fierce critic of the Healthier Together review that uh, went through uh, last year, uh, where there was some suggestion that between Milton Keynes and Bedford they could reconfigure, as they say, uh, some of the services. And that meant maybe you'd end up with maternity services or bits of A&E being changed around so people from here would have to, uh, Milton Keynes would have to travel to Bedford or the other way around. Uh, that was completely wrong. We're a growing city. We're in South East Midlands is a, uh, and the Three Counties area is a growing area as well. Um, what I'm sure of is Milton Keynes needs a bigger hospital. We need to look at the resources we've got. But in the meantime, when this emergency has happened at Bedford, it is right that we step in and help. Andrew Pakes, thank you very much indeed. That was Labour and Cooperative Parliamentary Spokesperson for Milton Keynes South, Andrew Pakes. He's hoping the situation in Bedford is, will be resolved in the short term. What do you think? I, again, if you missed the interview yesterday with Stephen Conroy, the acting chief exec of Bedford Hospital, he can be a little bit vague sometimes. Go, go and listen to the BBC iPlayer. I, and this again, this is my interpretation, not the BBC's view. I kind of, I would be surprised if those services open again in March of next year. I hope they do. I hope March the 1st we do a, we're outside Bedford Hospital with flags and bunting and, and waving people through. Not waving sick children through, that would be inappropriate. But you know, celebrating the fact that those services ha- ha- have resumed. I really hope I'm wrong on this. I don't think I am. I wait 459 555 Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Taking a look at the cameras on the M1 at the moment, things are still looking a little bit slow as you go past Junction 9. It's not running too badly, though, as you make your way southbound down toward London. It's just a slow patch of traffic approaching the A5 junction there at Redbourne. Things moving well on the rest of the M1. The A1 slowing up a bit from Eaton Soken toward the Black Cat roundabout, though the A1M is looking fine all the way down past Welland and Hatfield. Into London, though, the A1 slow through Boreham Wood, Stirling Corner toward Apex Corner. On the M25, anti-clockwise, there's slow traffic Waltham Abbey to Enfield, from the M1 to Kings Langley, and from Maple Cross to the M40. And if you're commuting by train and tube this morning, well, the trains are all looking good. On the tubes, though, minor delays for the Bakerloo line, Stonebridge Park to Harrow and Wheel, this is because of a signal failure at South Kenton. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much. Right, coming up to 7.17 on the 17th of the seven month. Ooh, spooky, man. I'm Ian Lee, this is BBC Three Counties Radio, and these are your headlines this morning. Police have arrested Ian McLaughlin, the escape prisoner, wanted in connection with Saturday's fatal stabbing in a village near Berkhamsted. The campaign to keep the full range of children's services at Bedford Hospital has been stepped up with the launch of an online petition. In sport, the England striker Wayne Rooney has been left angered and confused after it emerged Manchester United do not plan to open talks about renewing his summer contract. Nick has texted in. Nick's not very happy with Wayne Rooney. Not, I'm, not that I'm the least bit interested in football, says Nick. But it sounds like Rooney has the strop because he's not first choice. Get over it. There is a little bit of, oh, boo-hoo, multi-millionaire Wayne Rooney. Come, can, can someone explain why he's upset? I don't know anything about football. Is he upset just because, you know, he's been told to sit on the bench, which I think is a footballing phrase. 08459 455 555. Coming up, every 11-year-old in England is to be ranked in order of ability. 
Oh, imagine if your kid was the number one kid in England. Wouldn't that be fun? It's so parents will soon know how well your child is doing compared to other kids. Imagine that. Oh, yeah, my little boy Stevie, he's number one in the country. Very child, they need to be encouraged. I don't know what that's all about. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Roberto Peroni, debating the local issues. Bill Rowe is uh, a guardian angel. He needs volunteers for his Luton chapter. This is not being a policeman. You can't do a policeman's job. It is giving safe passage to more vulnerable people. Roberto Peroni. A red kite has been rescued from a tree in Hertfordshire. There was a lost parrot in the three counties and I was ready to mobilise our best people. Forget snakes on a plane. This is snakes in Hertfordshire. Potentially 27 of them. Roberto Peroni. I love the animal stories. I do the animal stories. Weekdays from three on BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. An 11-year-old in England is to be ranked in order of ability, so as a parent, you'll know how your child is doing compared with other kids. It's part of new government proposals to raise standards in primary school. So, what do these parents think? Very child, they need to be encouraged instead of being put down. So if you know that you're at the bottom, then what? If you tell a child that they're not good enough, then they're going to get an inferiority complex and they're not going to achieve, are they? It's good to know where you stand. It's good to have some goals, set some goals. I think it's a good thing. Well, only parents and children, uh, teachers, sorry, will know an individual child's ranking. But critics say rating youngsters in this way could damage their confidence and put them off learning for life. Russell Hobby is from the National Association of Head Teachers. You're turning around to an 11-year-old and basically telling them, you know, you're in the lowest 10% of pupils in the whole country. And I just think that's a terrible thing to tell an 11-year-old. I think it stops their aspiration uh, at that point. Uh, and the worst part about it is, is that these tests are not that accurate. Uh, that child may be average or they may even be an an outstanding performer but when you put an 11 year old through a 45 minute test if it's a hot day if they've been up late the night before that really does affect their performance only parents and teachers will know an individual child's ranking but critic oh hang on a second we've done that bit look i do apologize from 2016 primary schools will need to make sure 85 percent of pupils reach basic achievement levels at the moment it's 60 percent and money spent on the poorest pupils will rise from 900 pounds this year to 1300 pounds next year helen barnard is from the joseph roundtree foundation which carries out research into social policy she says this extra spending is good news it's interesting that given how scarce resources are that's a big hike that's 44 percent increase in the pupil premium for and it's for primary school pupils so yes i think that's very significant it'll give schools just that extra bit of money to try and address some of these issues the measures are being announced by the Deputy Prime Minister, Nick Clegg. He'll be speaking later this morning. Well, someone who is uh, here to have her say on this now is Christine Hood, a retired teacher from Hertfordshire and former Secretary of the County's branch of the National Union of Teachers. Uh, good morning, Christine. What do you think about this? I think it's another harebrained idea for a government that's desperate, a government that's getting desperate. Why is it harebrained? Telling an 11-year-old that it's in the bottom 10%, I mean, I think it's absolutely condemning that child to permanent failure. I mean, I, I see it also is going to describe it as our children secondary ready. Well, what are you going to do with a child that is secondary not ready? Put it back round primary again. I mean, it's pathetic. 
Surely, if, if a child is told, look, you're, you're in the bottom 10%, that might inspire them to, to strive harder, wouldn't it? It might also switch them off completely. But it might it strive might... them to, to try hard, make them no. try harder. No, no. Think of it like um, sport. If you were continually last in the 100 metres, yep. would that continually inspire you to do better if it would, you just weren't suited to running? It would continually inspire me to try something different and find something that I was good at. Well, that's a good point. So being told Thanks. that you're bad at school might make you want to do be good at something else, like being a vandal. Being oh, a Chris, Christine. No, it might make you want to try being good at mechanics or plumbing or, or something else, not being a vandal. Old. Yeah. 11-year-old, what, knowing much about that, particularly if they're in the bottom 10%, come on. No, Christine, I could say the same to you. You come on, because I just think you're being a little bit negative about this. What's wrong with being told, actually, you're not very good at this, maybe you should try something else? I'm old enough to remember the 11 plus. So am I, I did it. And remembering what that did to people who failed. Yeah, it it put them into schools where they could achieve academically, or schools where perhaps it wasn't uh, academic. No, it condemned some of them to really rubbish secondary moderns, where they were condemned forever, and some kids never really got over failing the 11 plus. Well, uh, Christine, many children did get over failing the 11 plus and many children went to secondary moderns and many children achieved fantastic things as a result of of doing that but a very large number didn't bear in mind that it was only about 20 percent nationally that passed the 11 plus you condemned 80 percent to failure but christine it wasn't a condemnation to failure it was it was a condemnation to a different style of teaching that was perhaps more suitable teaching that had infinitely less money spent on it you could almost say that the 20 percent who went to grammar schools had 80% of the money spent on them. Is that a fact? I don't know the exact... Well, then there you go. You can't... You can't... Don't start putting out percentages if you're just making them up. I know from the quality of the buildings, even something like that, secondary modern schools had far less spent on them for the building. The uh, secondary modern the school near me, uh, Beechwood School, had uh, had a completely brand new building, whereas my grammar brand school... doesn't the, mean good quality. My, sco- my school, the Sir William Herschel Grammar School, we had to close yes. it for a year because the roof was leaking oh, and we went to... A, we went to a... that was a combination of the two. Right. And the secondary modern half, you could hear what was going on in every classroom throughout the building because it didn't have proper soundproofing. Are you just upset because it might mean a little bit more work for you? No, it will mean more harm to poorer children because there's also a correlation between academic progress and socio-economic background. And your point is? My point is that it's yet again hitting the bottom layers of society. Come on, you've got to do better or else this, that and the other will happen. But but what's... Christine, there's nothing wrong with, with suggesting that people should do better, is there? There's nothing wrong, but if they haven't got the ability... I could have had training from Linford Christie. I still wouldn't have run, you know, a a nine-second hundred metres. I'd still have struggled, Um, because physically I'm not an athlete. Some people physically are not academic. They haven't got the mental capacity. Right, so they should therefore be encouraged to do other things that they are more suited to. They're a failure, that they're not secondary ready, is not encouraging them to do other things, I I would suggest that any teacher or parent that says you are a failure is is, is failing themselves to communicate how they can use this information to benefit themselves. In the bottom 10%. It's heartbreaking, isn't it? Yes. 
but that's life, isn't it? Why don't we rank MPs? Why don't we rank BBC interviewers? You know, would you like to be told you're in the bottom 10% of interviewers? Uh, well, one, that's not true. And two... No, I know it's not. But two would you part like of, it if you were told I that? would deal with it because it's life and part of my job is based on yeah, ranking. you're an adult. Part of my job... year old. Well, then why did you bring the point up, Christine, if you're not going to back it up? Part of my job is based on ranking in that a lot of my career, not so much here, but a lot of my career, has been based on figures. Yes, so I am ranked. You're not an 11-year-old. But then why have you brought it up if, 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 it's, if you don't mean the point, Christine? Because the point is, we treat children differently. But you just asked, would I mind being ranked? Yeah, yeah. But why bring, it, why bring it up and then say, oh, but you're, you're not a child, it doesn't count? No, I'm saying that we treat children differently. Then why did you suggest I was ranked? to. Right, OK. But so your, your point about adults being ranked is irrelevant? No, it's just some adults would not like it because they're not very mature. An 11-year-old is not mature. But life is based on uh, how, what we achieve and, and how yeah, we are perceived. Yeah, yeah, but part of human life is looking after the less able, not condemning so them. So what do you want to do? Do you, do you, but who's going to slag them off, Christine? I would suggest that you, if you're using language like that to tell the child, they've, there are better ways of phrasing you're in the bottom 10% than slagging them off. No, you Sorry, I don't think you understand the point. I don't, I, 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 don't, I don't think you're explaining the point very well. Try again. I think it's totally unfair to tell an 11-year-old that they're not secondary ready, which is a terminology, apparently, that is likely to be used. I've just been looking at the report on it. I think it's totally unfair to condemn perhaps a not very bright 11-year-old to that kind of criticism that could just affect them for the rest of their lives. I do remember people who failed the 11 plus and it affected them very badly. And I just think that is not the way a mature, responsible, caring society should treat people in that society. What do you think we should do? Wrap them in cotton and wool and pretend and, and, and no. pretend they're as equal and no. as good as everyone else no. academically? No. Then what do you suggest, Certainly Christine? Not. I don't think we actually should be condemning them don't, like th- that. Then what's your alternative then? We just keep on educating. I just them. tell everyone, hey, you're as good as ever. No, you're as clever no. as the person next People to you. Don't get fatter for being weighed more often. Oh, Christine, I've got no idea what you're talking about. Well, you're not very bright, then, are you? But I, what's? I, explain your analogy about fat people. No, I said pigs don't get fatter for right. being weighed more often. Right. So what's? I, again, I, I still don't. Every week to make them better products. We shouldn't be testing and ranking children frequently to try and make them better. Do you work with we children, Christine? I worked with children for 35 years. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. And were you this rude to the children, or, or you, just, you just keep that for people no, you disagree in with? in fact, um, on one of my last offset, I was graded as an excellent teacher. Wow, fantastic. That's great news. I would suggest you're not the best guest, but thank you, Christine, for joining us. I always cause, and it cause controversy, don't I? Well, you're always rude. Oh, come on. That's not rude. Okay, thanks very much. Okie dokie. Yes, it is. 08459 455 555. Well, she said that if, that if you'd failed your 11 plus, you'd been written off. Did you think that? Did you? Well, I know we've got lots of people listening who will have uh, failed their 11 plus. Do you feel that you were written off? 08459 455 555. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
That interview needed the dramatic chord from Hard Day's Night to punctuate it at some point, I think. The A1, as you make your way from the Black Cat roundabout down toward Biggleswade, looking a little bit slow, and a queue at the Black Cat roundabout as well. A1M looking fine, but into London, the A1 through Boreham Wood is slow from Stirling Corner down to Apex Corner. The M1 southbound still very slow from the Luton Airport Spur toward Redbourne at Junction 9. Ray called us earlier today saying he got caught up in it. Anti-clockwise M25 looking slow from Waltham Abbey to Enfield, then from the M1 round to Kings Langley, and from Maple Cross to the M40 you have patches of slow traffic as well. Looking at the cameras, it is all moving, but it's quite busy. On the trains, Chilton run with disruption between Starbridge Junction and Birmingham Snow Hill. They had a broken down train at Rowley Regis, so if you're heading up toward the West Midlands, you could be affected by these problems. Lines to and from London are looking okay. Bakerloo Line Tube, minor delays. This is between Stonebridge Park and Harrow and Wheelstone. They've had a signal failure at South Kenton. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much. 7.30, News and Sport. Now here's Catherine Boyle. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning. The headlines. Police have arrested Ian McLaughlin, the escaped prisoner wanted in connection with Saturday's fatal stabbing in a village near Berkhamsted. The campaign to keep the full range of children's services at Bedford Hospital has been stepped up with the launch of an online petition. And the government is sending teams of troubleshooters into hospitals in Buckinghamshire after placing the county's NHS trust into special measures. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. The Manchester United striker Wayne Rooney has been left angry and confused by manager David Moyes' comments about the striker's role at the club. Moyes has suggested Rooney is second choice behind Robin Van Persie. While Rooney's also upset the club do not plan to open talks about renewing his contract this summer. Better luck for our local clubs last night, though, with victories all round in last night's friendlies. MK Dons beat Brackley 2-1 with penalties from Isel McLeod and Giorgio Rasulo. Stevenage beat a QPR 11-2-0 with goals from Luke Freeman and Greg Tanzi. Luton Town beat Hitchin 4-0 at Topfield with goals from John Shaw, Sean Wally, Dave Martin and Jonathan Smith. And Wickham were 3-0 winners at Staines. Josh Scowan, Dean Morgan and Joker Four were on that, co- that score sheet. In athletics, the reigning 100 metres champion Johan Blake has withdrawn from next month's World Championships with a hamstring injury. The Jamaican's been suffering with the problem since April. And the former Australia cricket coach, Mickey Arthur, has confirmed he's suing Cricket Australia for up to £2.5 million following his dismissal last month. The court documents were leaked to a news organisation in the country and contain details of a rift between the captain, Michael Clarke, and Shane Watson. But the England wicket keeper, Matt Pryor, is not concerned about his opponent's problems. Quite honestly, we have our own things to worry about. We've got our own you know, making sure that our team's right and we're playing the best we can play we want to you know hit our straps and focus entirely on on getting our skills right and the minute you take your focus off that is when you come undone so i think it's really important that we you know maintain our focus on on our dressing room and making sure that's right and that's your latest news and sports i'll be back with more at eight o'clock across beds hearts and bucks this is ian lee bbc three counties radio 459 455 555. We've yet to have someone call in and defend holidaying in the UK. Doesn't seem possible. Why would anybody want to holiday in the UK? We've got some nice weather now, but that's it. There's not a lot to do. It's expensive. The people are grumpy. 08459 455 555. Now, the government is set to send in troubleshooters into the hospitals of 11 NHS trusts, including Buckinghamshire Healthcare, where thousands of patients could have died needlessly. The trusts have been told that senior managers face the sack if standards don't improve. 
An inquiry after the failings at Stafford Hospital has highlighted examples of poor care, incompetence and weak leadership following a review of NHS trusts with high death rates. Bill Weaving from Aylesbury died at Stoke Mandeville Hospital. His daughter, Pam Mabbitt, complained to Buckinghamshire Healthcare NHS Trust about the care he received prior to going there. She joins me now. Morning, Pam. Good morning. Pam, what happened to your father? Um, Well, I phoned him on the Monday evening and he sounded absolutely terrible. So the next morning I rang the GP surgery and asked for an urgent home visit. Um, He wasn't in the best of health. His GP should have known that. Um, nothing happened. So I rang again on the Thursday, actually spoke to the doctor, told him that I was extremely worried and he must go that day. He, in his infinite wisdom, decided not to bother. That afternoon, I got a phone call from a paramedic saying my father had collapsed on the floor. He'd been on the floor for three hours before he'd managed to get my mother to pull the emergency cord in the bungalow. Um, and his heart rate was 27. I must add that my mother had dementia, which three years before I'd had to tell the GP about because he didn't have a clue. And so what happened there? He, 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 the ambulance came and took your dad away. What happened? Well, they had to take mum as well. Right. live in Dorset. Um, so I had to drive all the way up to Stoke Mandeville. When I got there, um, I had to leave my 16-year-old because she was doing GCSEs. Um... They'd got his heart rate up to 33, 34. Um, I mean, I can read the monitors. I, know, I understand these things. Yep. And um, they, I think Stoke Mandeville did what they could for him, but it was too late because the GP couldn't be bothered. Now, I complained about this, and as far as I'm concerned, um, the Primary Care Trust of Buckinghamshire are, in my opinion, biased in favour of medical staff. Um, they treated me with sarcasm, um, patronising, and less than truthful answers. Now, it's four years, and I still don't know whether the receptionist put it in the book, the doctor read it and couldn't be bothered, um, or what happened. I just don't know. Now, when we began this, <coughs> a woman at the Bucks NHS told my advocate and i can quote this she didn't think the doctor should have it hanging over his head how does that make you feel well i'm just appalled you've contacted the health minister and the prime minister about this Uh, 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 any response from them um david cameron noted my concerns he passed it on to earl howe who wrote and told me how to sue them oh um, I'm a pensioner, and I can't afford to sue the government, can I? What do you make, Pam, of the trust being put in special measures? Um, it's about time. It should have happened years ago. And, unfortunately, it's not just the Buckinghamshire NHS Trust. Um, I spoke to the advocacy service that I used, and I said, how often does this happen? And they said, more than we would like. I was having a conversation with one of my neighbours here in Dorset. She has a severely disabled daughter and she's complained about when the daughter was born. And one of the answers they've given her, one of the reasons, is because she didn't maintain eye contact when 
with the doctor while she was giving birth. They make things up. What would you like to see happen, Pam? I would like to see complete and utter shake-up of the PCTs, because I do believe they're biased. Um, I'd also like to know how many people who have lost loved ones in these hospitals have complained to their local NHS and been fobbed off um, like I have. Pam, thanks very much for sharing your story with us this morning. That's uh, Pam Mabbitt, whose dad, Bill, died at Stoke Mandeville Hospital. We can talk now to the Conservative MP for Wickham, Steve Baker. Steve, what's your reaction to the problems facing the Bucks Healthcare NHS Trust? Well, good morning. Well, I'm very sorry Pam went through that whole awful experience and lost her father in that way. I'm sorry to say that her experience has the characteristics uh, of many cases that I've heard. I've mentioned two of them. Um, in the Commons yesterday, I'm very glad that the Trust now is, is in special measures because the story that I've read uh, in, in the various reports that have come out is consistent with uh, what my constituents have been telling me. So, yes, she's quite right. It is time that it was uh, given a shake-up. That shake-up is now happening. The government's facing up to the need to get the NHS out of a culture of denial um, and, and to shake things up. Let's not forget that a lot of good care does happen in the NHS, but one of the battles I've had is to say that that, that actually is no excuse for brushing under the carpet um, shortcomings. So, yeah, we have abolished the PCTs. We've now got clinical commissioning groups, which are uh, significantly different. Um, there's a, a, a very substantial move towards getting patients involved. Um, and I'm, I'm optimistic that yesterday and putting these trusts into special measures will mark a turning point. Has High Wycombe Hospital suffered since losing its A&E department, or do, do the problems date back further than that, do you think? I think the, the, well, the, the causes date back further. Um, the causes are that there's a, around the country there's a whole range of district general hospitals like the one in Wycombe, which were set up for medicine as it was in the 50s, and it's the kind of medicine which mentally all of us still expect, um, an A&E locally, consultant-led maternity locally, and so on. But between changes in medical practice and things like the Working Time Directive, we've ended up with doctors having a narrower range of skills, needing to be more specialists to drive up standards. And the result has been that the medical profession has been pulling in a different direction and they've wanted to centralise for quality, whereas the public want local, and quite rightly, want local access. So the, the underlying causes go back a very long time and are about the development of medical science and the management of medical staff. Um, my challenge is to make sure that the service that we have performs and in particular that it communicates. Because let me tell you one really crucial thing. If you have a heart attack or stroke in Wickham, you get treated in Wickham. You don't have to go to A&E in Stoke Mandeville. You're treated in those units in Wickham. And unfortunately, altogether too many people still think you'd have to make it to, a, uh, to Stoke Mandeville's A&E. It's not true. You, if you have a heart attack or stroke, you dial 999 and they take you to the nearest specialist unit, which in High Wickham's case is in High Wickham. Have you been made aware of any problems at High Wycombe, Steve? Have patients, families contacted you with stories? Many times I submitted a dossier to the Keogh uh, Review, which summarised many of those cases, and I've mentioned uh, cases in the House. In fact, I've got to the point where I felt I was banging my head against the wall trying to get people to accept that there really was a problem um, with patient experience, patient safety, governance and so on. And at last, through the Keogh Review, we've now got a written-down account, professional, expert-led account of the, 
the problems that do exist in Buckinghamshire. There's a good to-do list. I think now everybody needs to focus on helping the trust meet the requirements of the Keogh review. They'll be inspected again within 12 months. And as I emphasised in the Commons yesterday, the boards have to be held to account for delivering that transformation. And by being held to account, what, what exactly? What are the changes that are, that are being suggested? Well, well, sorry, two things. What are the changes in holding them to account? Holding them to account, I want to know how to remove board members and whole boards. And I asked the Secretary of State to set that out yesterday. He said that he would, and I expect him to do so. I'm sure he will. So we need to be able to get rid of senior staff and, and, and board members if they don't deliver against these these changes if people want to see what changes need to be implemented that one of the places they can get them from is my website if they go to stevebaker.info i've summarized the um uh, i've summarized the reports and the actions required and linked to the original documents those are available on the nhs choices website uh, your conservative colleague cheryl gillen has spoken about staffing issues adding to the problems for the nhs trust is is that is that the main problem the lack of staff well, I'm afraid for me the main problem is, is the board. The board is going to have to go through a rapid development programme that is set out in the uh, key findings and action plan. It's, um, it's concerning that they didn't have proper risk management processes in place um, and they don't adequately challenge their executives. So these are two of the points that were brought up about the board. I think staffing issues, yes, of course, they're an issue, but the trust has to be properly managed from the top all the way down. There are significant findings in the Keogh report about the board. Um, the board has to change. Once the board has changed, there will be in a better position to drive the necessary changes across the organisation. Steve, I appreciate your time. Thank you very much. That's Conservative MP for Wickham, Steve Baker. Uh, earlier on this morning, we were talking about the 11 plus. Did you do the 11 plus? I did it. I passed. I went to a grammar school. It wasn't particularly good. When you say a grammar school, people think of like a huge halls and a grand old building. Wasn't wasn't the school I went to? Herschel Grammar School in Slough. I mean, it was all right. We had to move out for a year and go to an abandoned school because the roof was leaking. But did um, the, the one guest suggested that if you failed your eleven plus, you were written off. You felt like a failure. Now, I think that's a little unfair and a little harsh. I'm not saying we should bring back the eleven plus, but I know lots of people that failed their eleven plus and went on to great success, both personally and professionally. No, lots of people who passed their eleven plus who became druggies, alcoholics, and messed up their lives. So. What does that tell you? Uh, 08459 455 555. Mark in Bletchley. Ian, I failed the 11 plus and more later and still failing exams. I don't take it to heart. 08459 455 555. Did failing your 11 plus set you up as a failure for the rest of your life? 08459 455 555. Let's get the travel now. Here's Adam. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Cheers Ian, the A1 as you make your way toward the Black Cat Roundabout. Southbound is looking pretty slow with delays going on to the Barford Bypass. It's not looking too bad along the A421 though. If you're going to be heading a little bit further down the A1, it's running OK past Biggles Wade. Not too bad along the A1M and then it slows once you get to London. The A1 is busy through Boreham Wood from Stirling Corner toward Apex Corner. The M1 is slowest at the minute southbound from Junction 11 at the A505 toward 10 for the Luton Airport Spur. 
on the M25 anti-clockwise. Stop start traffic as you make your way into the roadwork section past Junction 25. All looking a little bit slow as well as you go from the M1 to Kings Langley and from Chorleywood to the M40. Chilton are running with a bit of disruption, but it's on their services in the West Midlands. They had a broken down train earlier this morning that caused a few delays into and out of Birmingham, but services to and from London are running fine. Bakerloo Line Tube, minor delays, Stonebridge Park to Harrow and Wealdstone because of a signal failure at South Kenton. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much. Right, it's 7.46 or thereabouts. It's Wednesday the 17th of July. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Police have arrested Ian McLaughlin, the escaped prisoner, wanted in connection with Saturday's fatal stabbing in a village near Berkhamsted. The campaign to keep the full range of children's services at Bedford Hospital has been stepped up with the launch of an online petition. In sport, the Manchester United striker Wayne Rooney has been left angry and confused by manager David Moyes' comments that he is second choice behind Robin Van Persie. Coming up, holidays in the UK. No one actually enjoys holidaying here for longer than a weekend, do they? Well, no one's called in to say yes yet. 7.46, let's get the weather. Here's Wendy. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, if you are on holiday at this uh, point in the year and the weather is like this, you needn't go anywhere else, do you, really? It's absolutely glorious. Uh, We once again have a very warm start, 17 degrees Celsius at Luton at the moment. And as we go through this afternoon with plenty of sunshine, we are going to get to the top 20s once again. The closer you get to London, the more chance you have of getting to 30 or 31 degrees Celsius. And there may be one or two places that hit 32 today, 90 degrees Fahrenheit, the warmest or hottest, I should say, day of the year yet. Of course, with this, we get uh, very high pollen. We get high UV as well. So uh, the usual precautions there. As we go through the evening, um, there is a chance we'll get a thunderstorm developing. Now, it's a very, very small chance. If they crop up at all, they will be extremely isolated. So you'd be jolly unlucky to get caught in one of those. Mostly today, it is going to be dry. And that continues through the night as well. Uh, largely dry, clear conditions with temperatures dipping to between 15 and 17 degrees once again. So it's still rather uncomfortable for sleep as we go through tonight and we've got another hot day tomorrow as well at least up to 27 or 28 degrees in temperature but some places getting up to 30 in the sunshine once again if it's all too much for you hold out for friday and the weekend there is going to be a slip in the temperature as a breeze springs up from the east Uh, that means we should be at around sort of 24 25 for friday and a little bit cooler than that over the weekend but still with lovely sunny weather to come so a little bit fresher friday into the weekend but to its very hot days at the moment. Thank you, Wendy. Every weekday morning, questions are asked. What should the government do next to stop people smoking? Who do you blame for our failing high streets? Opinions are formed. There is no place in a civilised society for people like that. They should get real. Part of me says it is wrong. And you get to have your say. I think the whole thing is absolute garbage, frankly. Join in with the big phone-in from Nine. Not everyone will agree. What an interesting conversation. The JVS Show. Weekday mornings from Nine on BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, dear listener, we have uh, not only the radio version of the show, there is the pocket podcast version of the show. You can carry a make me around in your pocket. It's catchy, but not literally true. 
Uh, it's very easy to get the podcast. You can either go to iTunes, type in Ian Lee BBC and it pops up, or bbc.co.uk forward slash three counties radio. Scroll down and click download podcast, and it's yours to keep forever. In this week's podcast, you can hear Ralph. Now, Ralph called in to tell me why he thinks a life sentence should mean a life sentence. Well, 30 years ago, my son was murdered. I believe the uh, criminal who committed the crime served his prison sentence. He's probably now out enjoying a life with a family of his own. I am still suffering and my family still suffer. Nobody has ever asked the victims' families what they feel. The judges sit on their seats and think, let's get him out and reform him. But I can never be reformed in my thoughts of agony and pain when I visit my son's grave. Ralph's story is incredible. Absolutely incredible. That's part of the podcast. You can also hear what happened when I spoke to the editor of The Sun, David Dinsmore, about his front page last week. You, you probably saw a picture of Gaza for shopkeepers to cut out and display saying, don't give this man a drink. It, it's to sell newspapers, isn't it, David? It's to, it's to make money. You're, you're exploiting a man with a disease that's, that's slowly committing suicide. It's to make money. To, if people want to cut out uh, our front page, cut off the, the masthead of The Sun and stick it up to just to get that message out, I'm perfectly happy. When will you get the figures in and how many extra papers you shifted? Well, that is not what this is about. OK, of course it's not. I can't believe I dissed the editor of The Sun on the radio. You know that he put the phone down and said, Get me everything you can on Ian Lee! Let's get him! You can also hear a bit of this in the podcast. And Andy Murray went, Oh, no! No, it's not fair! Oh, no, don't put the roof on! Oh, it's not fair! Oh, no, Mum! Don't, don't put the roof on! Who wouldn't want to listen to that every day? Every day you could listen to that. Uh, go to iTunes, type in Ian Lee BBC, or go to bbc.co.uk forward slash three counties, and you can download the best bit of the show every week. Talking about holidays. Oh, well, let's do, we'll do that in a second. Let's talk about the 11 plus. We had a guest earlier on who said people who failed the 11 plus were made to feel like failures, and it set them up for failure for the rest of their life. Well, did that have that effect on you? 08459 455 555. Uh, Andy in Stockfold. Good morning, Andy. Good morning. How did, are you old enough to do your 11, have done your 11 plus? Um, no, uh, no, I don't, I'm, I'm 29 years old, so I don't think I did an 11 Okay, plus. right. What, what's your take on it? Right. Um, children, age of 11, I don't think they have the social uh, skills, the social ability to be able to deal with that kind of criticism at that age. Um, it's, it's how it's put across and when it's put across is, is the most important thing. So this is, the, this is the, the thing the government wants to introduce about kind of assessing every child. Right. Um... I just don't think it's appropriate at that stage. Whether they're ready to go into secondary school or not is is something for, to be dealt with when they're at secondary school. Yeah. Um, I was pushed straight into secondary school, and I had to, to raise my bar um, as I went along. You know, I got my GCSE grades at the end of school. They were rubbish, um, and I still got through university, got a degree. Um, you know, I, I knew, based on my grades, that I wasn't as good as other students. Um, and I was my own, I was my, my own best critic. But you, but so at 11, you dealt with it? Absolutely, absolutely, I dealt with it. Um, but I, I don't think, the, I don't think children are going to be able to respond to that criticism. Give them the criticism, fine, but 
It's not going to make a, a darn bit of difference. It, but surely it's how you phrase it. If you go, oh, look, you're in the bottom 10%, you're thick, you're rubbish, you are, then that's, that's not going to help. But there are creative and uh, encouraging ways to present that information, aren't there? Uh, absolutely, absolutely. If you tell a child that, <clears throat> look, you're not doing so well in this area, you're doing better in this area, what interest do you have? Careers guidance, yeah. that kind of thing. But not at the age of 11, at what age do you stop. think, Andy? I think a bit later, you know, as they're getting towards their late, as their mid to late teens, because at that age they're looking to, to possibly going out and, you know, looking to go into the world of work. It's not so far away. At the age of 11, they're interested in Harry Potter and iPod, iPods and iPads and so forth. And that's part of the... But if you do it too late, if you do it like 16, 17, something like that... Oh, that's way too late. That, well, that, yeah. that is too late, isn't it? Because, because if you get them early enough, and if you find an 11-year-old says, well, you know, do you know what, I like a bit of... Uh, I, I like looking at cars. Then maybe that could... You, you could start then. Get, I, I don't think it's too ridiculous to get mm-hmm. a, a kid to take apart an engine at the age of 11 in a, in a controlled environment. Yeah, I, I think it is. I, I think it's, it's, it's all about... Um building the social skills as, as early as you can build them. But, um, but I just don't think they respond to it. I, I don't think they get the response that they'd get when they've had a bit more of um, a worldly education that they have in, in secondary school. It's not as worldly in um, junior school as it is in secondary school. Andy, uh, we've got to end it there. Thank you very much indeed. 08459 555 Now, here's a surprise. Tourism experts are predicting, predicting a big boost to the UK industry because of the hot weather. With the school holidays on the doorstep, hotels, B&Bs, caravan parks, tourist attractions in this country are all expecting a boom in sales. Is it a boom or a boon? I think both are, are equally applicable. But it's got to be only fleeting, hasn't it? And really, why would anybody want a holiday in the UK? Well, James Berriford is Chief Executive of Visit England. James, England's not as good as abroad, is it, for holidays? No, it's not. It's better. Um, and, uh, you know, I think you can just look at the figures to attest to that. Tourism in this country is worth £97 billion. So a lot of people are spending a lot of money in this country boosting our industry. We are one of the strong industries in this country, and people love it. They absolutely love it, both domestic visitors and international visitors. Where would you recommend in beds, hearts and bucks? What, what, what places could people head to? Well, you know, uh, the, 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 the beauty of, of, of Beds, Hearts and Bucks is it is central. There are so many places to see and do on one's doorstep. So, you know, from Whipsnade, obviously, to, to, to Stockwood um, and the Hat Museum, there's a whole range of things to see and do. But, you know, I would say cast your net further afield, too. I mean, Beds, Hearts and Bucks is brilliant. It's lovely. Um, but think, think about further afield. If you wanted to take a slightly longer break this summer, then, you know, why not? Tra- tra- uh, travel up to the Yorkshire coast or down to Devon or the Peak District in Derbyshire. That's the beauty of this country. There is so much variety in in near distance for people, an easy travelling distance for people, that it, it, it it's just a hassle-free holiday. The weather's unpredictable, uh, places are expensive and people are grumpy. Yeah, you go abroad, <laughs> you can pretty much bank on what you're going to get. You've got the exotic experience of being in a foreign country, hearing foreign languages, tasting foreign food. People are always pleased to see you. Well, no, we're not grumpy in this country. You know, we've just been through the Olympics, OK, last year. And we have gone up in the nation's index to number five in the world because of the welcome that we showed. We, we are a welcoming race, actually. Um, we may take a little bit of time just to 
get first that past that first step but when you do we're engaging we're interested and we're charming so please don't do us down we are a welcoming race and um you know it's i think it's a myth about being expensive it costs you it costs you nothing to sit on the beach at um, uh, at Brighton, it costs you nothing to sit on the beach in the south of France. You know, you can do things in this country that are free. There's all the museums and the attractions; many of them are free. So, you know, I I, I would take against the fact that we are expensive. We're not. We're good value. James, what's your personal number one favourite place in the UK to go on holiday? Well, gosh, there are so many. And I want you I to pick one. If you had okay. to pick one. All right. One, one would be the beach at Albra, eating fish and chips and drinking champagne. Oh, look at you mixing I and matching, know. James. I know. James, and where, where are you going on holiday this year, if you don't mind me asking? Peak District Ooh, for two nice. weeks. Lovely. James, thank you very much indeed. That's James Berriford, Chief Executive of Visit England. He puts forward a good argument. I would suggest not Brighton Beach. It's pebbles. It's not a real beach. A real beach is sand. There is some... OK, I'll give him that. There is something very romantic about walking along a beach with a bag of chips. There's something, there's something very nice about that. That's an afternoon. Done. What next? Mu- there's museums. Oh... Dad, do we have to go to the museum? Yeah, well, that's all there is to do here. Listen, a weekend away in Britain, fantastic. Five days? Uh, Yeah, why not? Go on. Any longer than that, a week, two weeks. You want to be abroad, don't you? Why would anybody holiday in the UK? 08459 455 555. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Things on the trains are looking good at the moment. No delays on the departure boards. Almost everything running completely to time and no major disruption. Problems for the Bakerloo line tube, though. It runs with minor delays. Stonebridge Park to Harrow and Wheelstone because of a signal failure at South Kenton. On the roads, we're not looking too bad this morning. There's a bit of a queue on the A1, though, coming to the Black Cat roundabout as you make your way from Eaton Soak and southbound. It's also slow from the A1M. Hitchin to Stevenage, Junction 8 to 7. The A1 into London looks busy again from Stirling Corner toward Apex Corner. On the M1, there's a patch of slow-moving traffic around the A505, Junction 11, down toward the Luton Airport Spur and beyond toward Junction 9. A41 southbound looking slow down to the M25 at Junction 20. And then on the M25, you've got slow-moving traffic both ways through the roadworks section from the A1M to the A10 and anti-clockwise busy from the M1 to Kings Langley and Chorleywood to the M40. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Kids, you've got a choice. This year, we can either go on holiday locally and go to the Hat Museum, or we can go to Disneyland. Which do you prefer? Oh, really? On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's 8 o'clock. I'm Catherine Boyle. The headlines, police track down escaped prisoner. Concerns Milton Keynes is writing a blank cheque for Bedford Hospital and teachers pan plans for a pupil league table. BBC Three Counties Radio. Ian McLaughlin, the escaped prisoner wanted in connection with Saturday's fatal stabbing in a village near Berkhamsted, has been arrested. Following a nationwide manhunt, the 55-year-old was tracked to an address in London where he was arrested at 1 o'clock this morning. McLaughlin was on day release from Grendon Underwood at the time of 66-year-old Graham Buck's death this week. Weekend. 
Bedford Hospital's decision to close some children's services and send patients to Milton Keynes should not be seen as a long-term solution. That's according to the Labour and Cooperative Parliamentary Spokesman for Milton Keynes South, Andrew Pakes. He's worried his area may be writing a blank cheque to bail out Bedford, something he says cannot be allowed to happen. This is a short-term fix uh, and I am glad that Milton Keynes can step in. But what I want to know going forward is how long will this... uh, arrangement be in place for when are we going to get bedford up and running again and what arrangements are in place for parents whose children may be seen at milton Keynes but live in bedford to ensure they can still visit their children uh, about extra costs they may be incurring The government is sending teams of troubleshooters into hospitals in Buckinghamshire after placing the county's NHS trust into special measures. Stoke Mandeville, Wickham and Amersham hospitals were among 14 named in a report highlighting poor levels of care and weak leadership. The Conservative MP for Wickham, Steve Baker, welcomed developments. I'm very glad that the trust now is is in special measures because the story that I've read uh, in, in the various reports that have come out is consistent with uh, what my constituents have been telling me. So it is time that it was uh, given a shake-up. That shake-up is now happening. Government's facing up to the need to get the NHS out of a culture of denial um, and, and to shake things up. 11-year-old primary school pupils across England could be ranked across, uh, against one another under proposals being put forward by the government. It's one of the range of measures that the Deputy Prime Minister, Nick Clegg, says will raise standards and prepare children for secondary school. Retired teacher Christine Hood is the former secretary of the Hertfordshire branch of the National Union of Teachers, and it's fair to say she's not keen. I think it's another harebrained idea from a government that's getting desperate. Telling an 11-year-old that it's in the bottom 10%, I mean, I think it's absolutely condemning that child to permanent failure. I mean, I see it also is going to describe it as our children secondary ready. Well, what are you going to do with a child that is secondary not ready? Put it back round primary again. In sport, the former Australia coach Mickey Arthurs confirmed he's suing Cricket Australia for around £2.5 million. He's claiming his dismissal involved racial discrimination. The weather hot and sunny with a chance of rain later and a top temperature of 32 degrees Celsius. That's 90 degrees Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, three minutes past eight. Oh, Wednesday the 17th of July. Where are you going on your holiday? I'm going abroad, of course. But, but, let me just say, while I'm going abroad, members of my family are moving into my house, so don't, don't get any smart ideas, burglars. I've got a cat and a rabbit, I can't leave them on their own, can I? I've looked into it, I can't. They need food and water. Wow. So there'll be people in my house for the two weeks I'm away. Don't get any smart ideas. Burglars, I know what you're like. Cheeky lot you are, you naughty burglars. But I'm going abroad. Why would anybody holiday in the UK? It just doesn't make sense. A couple of days, lovely. Four days, I'll have that. Any more than that, it's just ridiculous. No one's called in yet, or no one I've spoken to, to defend holidaying in the UK. I don't think you can. 08459 455 555. Also, facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Other slightly more serious things on the show between now and nine. More on the decision to close children's services at Bedford Hospital. There are now concerns being voiced over the cost implications for Milton Keynes, the site where many of the youngsters will be expected to go. Well, are you concerned? 
And as the government decides to send in troubleshooters to look at what's going on with the NHS in Buckinghamshire, we get reaction to the decision to put the trust on special measures. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text, 81333, start your text 3CR, or you can give me a call, 08459 455 555. It kind of works, kind of works for me. Um, right, there are concerns over the cost implications uh, to Milton Keynes Hospital following the closure of children's services at Bedford. Bedford will no longer provide children's accident and emergency or overnight care. Milton Keynes Hospital say they are ready to help and do not expect any impact on their waiting times. But Labour and Cooperative Parliamentary Spokesperson for Milton Keynes South, Andrew Pakes, says as a long-term measure, it would cost too much money. Earlier on this show, I asked him if he thought both patients in Bedford and Milton Keynes were being shortchanged. I hope not. I was uh, a fierce critic of the Healthier Together review that uh, went through uh, last year, uh, where there was some suggestion that between Milton Keynes and Bedford, they could reconfigure as they say uh, some of the services and that meant maybe you'd end up with maternity services or bits of A&E being changed around so people from here would have to Milton Keynes would have to travel to Bedford or the other way around. Uh, that was completely wrong. We're a growing city, we're in South East Midlands is a, uh, and the Three Counties area is a growing area as well. Um, what I'm sure of is Milton Keynes needs a bigger hospital, we need to look at the resources we've got. But in the meantime, when this emergency has happened at Bedford, it is right that we step in and help. Well, there are thousands of parents who've shown their support for the Riverbank Ward on social media. Juliet uh, Felsch is uh, one of them. Good morning, Juliet. Good morning. Juliet, tell me what your connection is with with Bedford Hospital. Um, I've got a five-year-old daughter who's got, um, amongst other things, she's got uncontrolled epilepsy. And she can't bring herself out of the seizures. So I usually have open access to Riverbank Ward and rely on them to help. Now, this open access, is the, the, I've heard this phrase several times. For those who don't know what it means, can you explain that? Um, it just means that I can get her straight onto the ward if needed right. to help. I don't have to ring through or go through A&E or other, uh, the GP or okay. anything. So how, how often have you had to use this ward? Um, over... 30 times in the last three years. And, and what, what, how does it work? I mean, she's five and, and she has a fit. What do, what do you do? Can you see the fit coming or, or is it a spontaneous thing? I don't get any pre-warning of it coming. Right. The start of the fit is the first thing I know. Um, I have been um, trained in her rescue medication, which she relies on to bring her out of the seizure. Um, but I can only give two doses of that in 24 hours and often that's not enough to stop the fit. So she often needs um, intervention from the hospital to help stop the fit after those two doses I've given of medication. And from the end of this month, you're not going to be able to take her to that hospital, is that right? That's right, that's what I believe. <laughs> yeah. So what's going to happen? I've got no idea. I'm going to go to the meeting tomorrow to ask this very question. I get eight minutes from the start of her seizure before I can't do anything else and she needs medical help, which isn't enough time for me to get her to Milton Keynes or Luton. And plus, I couldn't drive with her having a seizure in the car. Could you not call an ambulance? I could. My main worry is, will the ambulances cope with more people calling ambulances? And will they get come to me and get me and her to hospital in Milton Keynes or Luton or wherever within that eight minutes? It's very doubtful. <laughs> uh, y- you must be really worried about this and about these changes. I am very worried. Yeah, and there's many other people that are in a similar situation to me that 
have the same worries. You go into this meeting tomorrow, and we're going to be be covering the meeting on Friday's show, I'm sure. Do you think anything can be changed, Juliet? Is is public pressure really going to have an effect on this? We spoke to Stephen Conroy, the acting chief exec of Bedford Hospital, yesterday. He says he hopes to have things back in place by March, but there are lots of people who aren't convinced by that. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, One of my worries is, is I don't want to push for the fact for Riverbank to stay open if it's not going to be managed well enough by nurses and doctors that we need to keep it running properly Mm. we don't want a a ward running that doesn't work so it's trying to find a balance of okay what can we do if we can't use it as a children's ward what can we do to help people like me who can't make that journey to another hospital with their child is there a way we could perhaps have um, an emergency service department there that can stabilize the child and then move it to another hospital what can, you know it's trying to find a happy medium i think and i'd love for the hospital to stay open and it work but if it's not going to be working properly that's no good either juliet thanks very much uh, indeed best of luck to you and kira well, what do you think Are you worried about it do you think milton Keynes hospital can cope oh wait four five nine four double five five double five that's also the same number to give us a call if you could if you could possibly defend holidaying in the uk I just, why would anybody want to hold it in the UK? You can get a flight to Spain for, what, 30 quid? Fly out to Spain, stay in a cheap hotel, beautiful. Oh, a bit of the old Spanish food, bit of the Spanish sunshine. Fantastic. Lynn's in Hazelmere. Morning, Lynn. Morning. A lovely cheap holiday in Spain or on a Greek island. It costs you a few quid. Nice cheap hotel. Go out to some cheap tavernas. Wonderful food. Gorgeous food. Gorgeous sunshine. Friendly, warm, lovely people. Perfect, isn't it? No. Oh? I mean, not really. Oh. We've got some wonderful places in this country. You should be supporting our country, not going up to Spain and getting Spanish tummy. Really. We have got the most amazing places. And there's Chiltern Hills. We've got mm. wonderful, wonderful... Hills. Oh, you know, it's lovely here. I don't want to We've go to got... Hills for my holiday. Hills? That's well, not holiday, that's work. Beaches. We're going to Wales next to sea for our, our holiday this year. When, when are you in going North... to Wales? No, Wales next to sea. Oh, Wales in next Norfolk. to sea. It's a lovely place. Yeah, and really what's... beautiful, lovely sandy beaches. What's the, what's the weather going to be like? You don't know. Well, it doesn't matter. It really? does. It, no, if you're on a beach, you don't want to be in the middle of a storm. Well, we don't have that many storms in this country in the summer. I mean, the odd one, but yes. they have them abroad as well. And when you have them in Spain, it really does rain. Oh, but, 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 Lynn, there's nothing better than being out in that warm Spanish rain. Oh, no. it's adorable. It, it's just as lovely here. Not that cold, biting wind in Norfolk. Look, we're having a heat wave. Stop complaining. It's lovely here. But what are you going to, how long are you going to go there for? two weeks oh take my doggies have lovely long walks picnics on the on the sand dunes lovely you haven't got kids have you i've got a 19 year old okay because because kids will be well bored two no, weeks in no, norfolk no, no, there's lots of things to do there's nature reserves you just get your kids interested in nature and things for a second i thought you said naturism and I thought, <laughs> I don't no, 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 okay so there's nature so nature reserves that's a morning what, what are you going to do no, that? that's a whole day you can take a picnic oh. there's loads of things a museum you go to a museum well, you can do, but there's other things you can do as well. You know, I mean, when, when my son was little, we used to go um, pond dipping and things, and that's not skinny dipping. You know, um, and it's fabulous. Uh, Lynn, pools on the beach, you can spend hours on the beach. Lynn, thank you very much indeed. Lynn in Hazelmere is, is bigging up the British holiday. Shirley. Yes, Ian. Milton Keynes. 
Yeah. Imagine you and me, we get a cheap, easy jet all the way over to uh, Zakynthos, cost us about 35 quid each, get a cheap hotel, we drop our bags off, we nip down to the beach, get a fantastic milkshake in the evening, I'll take you to a lovely taverna, we get some fantastic cheap Greek food. Are you in? No. Oh. No, nothing on this earth would get me on an aeroplane. Sorry? No. no. Why? Uh, no, I've no desires whatsoever to fly. None at all. Why? What's wrong with flying? I mean, it's not very pleasant, but it's OK. Uh, no, it just doesn't interest me one little bit. Why? When was the last time a plane crashed? Oh, yeah, last week. Apart no, from that... I'm, I'm not talking about plane crashes. Right. I just don't want to fly, and that's all there is to it. You're like, were you Mr T or something? What's wrong with you? No. Get on that no. plane, fool. No, nothing's wrong with me. I can't afford holidays anyway. Oh, so where, where, where are you going to go then? I'm not. I haven't had a holiday in five years. Oh, surely. And the last holiday I had was a coach holiday, which was absolutely fantastic. Oh. I made some brilliant friends and went to Eastbourne. And we went to some beautiful places, <laughs> like Rye, went to Rye. And I spent a lovely morning in Rye Church, which is absolutely fantastic. But those those foreign churches, those churches on the continent, oh my God, the architecture I, is I dare say just are, wonderful. I've no desire to go abroad. Go on a boat. Get, go and get the hovercraft to, to Calais. I've, I've been, no, I've, I've been on the a boat. The hovercraft? I went to Germany when my son was in the army many years ago. Yeah. And went by train and boat. Right. And we had a lovely holiday there, But we, I mean, with my son. But... Um, no, I mean, I, I can't afford holidays anymore. If you anyway. could afford it, Shirley, if you yeah. could afford it, if money wasn't an option, yeah. could I tempt you on a plane to Florida for a little bit of Disney World? No. Pirates of the Caribbean ride? No. We could go to New York and go up Fifth no. Avenue? Oh, no, I've no desire to go to America at all. Why? No, it doesn't interest me. America's the third no. best country in the world. I don't care. This country's the best. Okay, how about we go to Italy? Oh, the ice creams in Italy are amazing. Now, do you know, my favourite place is the Isle of Wight. Oh. I love the Isle of Wight. (sighs) When I was a little girl, we spent many holidays in the Isle of Wight. Yeah. Fantastic. And when when I I married and had my children, we spent holidays in the Isle of Wight. Beautiful, beautiful place. Shirley, thank you very much. I suggest... Just aim a little bit higher, Shirley. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thanks, Ian. A1 High Road northbound through Beeston. It's blocked off by an accident with a lorry and a car involved. This is at the junction with New Road. The car has been overturned. The road is going to have to be blocked off there so that it can be fully cleared. So that's why it's blocked at the moment. Delays approaching that blockage. The A1 on the southbound side is queuing as you come down toward the Black Cat roundabout and the A1M is looking slow from Hitchin towards Stevenage. It's also busy into London, Stirling Corner to Apex Corner. Southbound M1, heavy traffic from the Luton Airport spur toward Redbourne. The A41 in Watford looking slow down to the M25 at Kings Langley. M25 delays clockwise and anti-clockwise through the roadworks and anti-clockwise very slow from the M1 through to the M40 junction 21 to 16. First Capital Connect, I'm afraid they're running replacement buses between what 
Watnut Stone and Stevenage. We've got a signalling problem at Watnut Stone, extending your journey by around 10 or 15 minutes through there. Bakerloo Line Tube, minor delays between Stonebridge Park and Harren Wheelstone because of a signal failure at South Kenton. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much. 8.16, it's uh, Wednesday the 17th of July. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Ian McLaughlin, the escaped prisoner wanted in connection with Saturday's fatal stabbing in a village near Berkhamsted, has been arrested. Labour's spokesman for Milton Keynes South is seeking assurances that his area's hospitals agreement to take on some of Bedford's children's services is only temporary. In sport, the England big baby and striker Wayne Rooney has been left angered and confused about his position at Manchester United after manager David Moyes hinted the striker would not be his first choice. Coming up, we'll talk more about the 11+. I won mine, yeah, thumbs up. But critics say rating youngsters in this way could damage their confidence. I'll talk to Chris McGovern from the Campaign for Real Education. BBC's Three Counties Radio. Every Saturday morning from six. Do you trust the NHS because there are problems afoot at Bedford Hospital? David Priva. There was a doctor present. He had a look at it and he said, don't worry about it. What was it then? I'm desperate to know what was wrong with you. It was Achilles tendon. Achilles tendon. They told you to walk it off. Yeah. Every Saturday morning from six. We were in our paediatrics department being told that our four-year-old son, as he was then, was a type 1 diabetic. And without the paediatrics team, um, we probably would have gone to pieces by now. David Priva. Every Saturday morning from six. On BBC Three Counties Radio. Hey. Hey. Hey, you. What colour is that shirt? That's horrible. It's kind of like a yellow and white, but it's, it's, it looks great. It looks dirty. I just got it cheap. It's one of those things. I thought, oh, this is reduced to five quid. I could do with a short sleeve shirt. I don't care what it looks like. I don't like it. For somebody who's frequently on the television... Good morning. ...you wear some funny clothes. What? <laughs> hey. <laughs> hey, back up a second. I would never wear this on television... Oh, this no? is not a television shirt. Oh, oh it's just us who has to look at it, I see. <laughs> You're the second person on this show this morning I've had to tell that they're being rude. Very, very naughty. Because so you're never rude, are you? No, I'm not rude. No. And I'm not rude at no, all. No, look at you. Where am I... Where am I ever... What is wrong with no, you? No, you're not rude. You not sleep last night because it was too hot. I, well, I'll be honest with you. Here we go. And I'm going to be honest with you. It was quite hot last night, wasn't it? Wasn't it? Too hot. I had two fans, again, pointed at me, both on number three. So two fans blowing you last night. And I was still... I woke up at midnight, and I'd uh, I'd got a a moist back. Oh, that is the worst... It was one of the worst things. From, From sweat. Yes. Yes. It's one of the worst things. I've not wet myself. I I don't know. (laughs) You never know with me. You don't. That's the thing. So that's left you a feeling that you can come in and be critical of, of people's No, I'm sorry. That's clothes. very un- very unkind. So you don't like this shirt? It's not one of my favourites. You know, I'm, I'm always mean... quick to say when I like your clothes. Well, well, you've never said that. No, I have. When you've worn shirts before, I've said, oh, I like that shirt. I don't remember that. I remember you once saying you liked some shoes I was wearing. And that was that. Right. So you don't like my shirt? Well, no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> It's like the end of a soap opera. What's on your show this morning, JVS? Coming up on the big phone in this morning from nine, should it be more difficult for learner drivers to get their licence? Yes. The RAC has called for a radical shake-up of driver training in the UK. So what's the plan? Well, everyone should have to spend a year driving at night and in the winter before they can even take their test. No one can carry passengers until they've had their full licence for two years. 
And if you pick up six points within your first three years behind the wheel, well, you'll have to sit your test all over again. One in five drivers has an accident within six months of passing their driving test at the moment. So could this be the answer? From nine this morning, I want your views. Should it be more difficult? for learner drivers to get their licence 08459 455 555 of course the flip side to all of this lots of people need their car don't they to get to work I don't know you grew up in where was it Slough yeah it was Slough presumably you needed a car to get a decent job there yeah sure why purely not? to leave of course <laughs> 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 to get out of there yes exactly to get out yes so if you haven't got a car what on earth do you do from nine this morning should it be more difficult for learner drivers to get their license shanks's what shanks's shanks's pony yeah walk what well, 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 it depends walk. where you've got to walk to doesn't it no I mean, it doesn't at all what well, if you've got to walk two hours to work walk two hours to work get on with it rather than driving <laughs> well if you can't drive yes <laughs> It's not terribly practical, though, is it? Walking is the most practical thing in the world. <laughs> How can you say walking's not practical? But if you've got to be at work for, I don't know, nine o'clock, yeah. and you live what would be, I don't know, a half-hour drive, yeah. but a three-hour walk... Then you leave at six. Do you, you want that job? You think you people should leave at six o'clock in the morning and walk for three hours? What? Go to work and then walk three hours home? If you want that job, yeah, why not? <laughs> I used to work, okay, when I was 15, I used to work in B-Jams. Oh, on, on my uncle Farnham used road. to work for B-Jams. good B-Jams. Yeah. Uh, I used to work at B-Jams Farnham Road in Iceland, uh, before it became Iceland. Uh, and I, it was about, it was about a 30-minute walk from my house to there. Friday night and all day Saturday I'd walk 30 minutes once it was thick snow now it took me two hours to walk there I could have phoned up and said I can't make it I didn't I walked there through two hours of snow two hours back what's the problem there I was 15 probably illegal it's that British spirit yes. that has kept this country right up there yes exactly through tough times did you pass or fail your 11 plus I didn't do an 11 plus sorry I don't know what kind of school you went to. I didn't do it. Well, I'm 39 enough. and you're older than me, so you must have done it. <laughs> Did you not do it? I, I went to... Well, no. Mm. Oh, very disappointing. <laughs> What's going on with this? It's, it's just a dramatic chord. Oh. All right, I'll play a proper one. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. <laughs> <laughs> we play a very dangerous game, Jonathan and I, that will get us uh, the sack one day in that we say something very, very rude just before the microphone goes up. I know, isn't it naughty? Now, let's get new, uh, more on the news that 11-year-olds could be ranked against one another according to how they do in tests in maths and English. So, as a parent, you'd know which achievement band your child is in. It's one of a range of measures being proposed by the government. The Deputy Prime Minister, Nick Clegg, says they don't want to turn primary schools into, quote, exam sausage factories, unquote. But they do want to better prepare youngsters for secondary education. The leap from a, often what is a small, intimate, safe atmosphere at primary school to the bigger, more impersonal uh, environment of a secondary school is a, is a huge leap in a, in a child's education. And this is all about making sure that children can start their first day at secondary school enthusiastic, self-confident, ready to learn, able to listen to authority, to mix well, mix, mix well with their classmates. That was Nick Clegg speaking through a tin can and a piece of string earlier on, but critics say rating youngsters in this way could damage their confidence and put them off learning for life. I think it's another harebrained idea from a government that's getting desperate. 
Telling an 11-year-old that it's in the bottom 10%, I mean, I think it's absolutely condemning that child to permanent failure. I mean, I, I see it also is going to describe it as our children secondary ready. Well, what are you going to do with a child that is secondary not ready? Put it back round primary again. Secondary unready. That was retired teacher Christine Hood, former secretary of the Hertfordshire branch of the National Union of Teachers. You may have guessed from that she doesn't like the idea. Well, Chris McGovern is for the campaign uh, from the campaign. Sorry for real education. Chris, what's your view on this idea? Well, obviously we're very much in favour of raising the bar, as Nick Clegg says. We do need to raise the bar because we're not competing well with other countries in terms of educational performance. Uh, it's going to be discussed, isn't it, whether we should have what are called deciles, that children should be placed in 10% bandits. But I have to say that most schools already know this information because any good school, and I was a head teacher for several many years, we already do these sorts of tests. They're called standardised tests, and often parents are very keen to know what is the basic educational achievement and potential of a child. So although on the one side it looks bad to say to a child you're in the bottom 10%, I'm not sure necessarily the government will go in quite that direction, but I think the information should certainly be available to parents. Parents need to know, want to know, which percentile their child is in in terms of academic ability. So let's not dismiss it out of hand. But I think uh, there is some... I, I am a little bit concerned if this information feeds right back to the child. Well, this is this is part of it, isn't it? It's it's how that information I- is managed, and uh, it, it would be uh, cruel to go up to a child and go, "Look, you're in the bottom ten percent. You're you're thick." But Christine Hood, who we spoke to from the uh, NUT, is concerned that this will set those bottom ten percent up for a lifetime of failure. Yeah, look, I, that, that concern is is, is 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 a real concern. Unfortunately, those bottom 10% won't know what 10% means. And I think the point Nick Clegg is trying to make is that we do need to ensure we reach a good standard. We keep telling government, and have been doing so for 20, 25 years, that, that the, percent, the percentages they need to be looking at is not the ones you're referring to, but they should be looking at the percentages about teacher training. They should be saying, look, in this country, the bottom 20% of graduates going to teaching, or the, or the teaching profession chooses from the bottom 20%, in the best educational systems, they come from the top 10%. So the government should be focusing far more on producing high-quality teachers and not worrying quite so much about constant testing. Is this effectively uh, a, a return to the 11+, plus? And, and also the secondary question, did, did people feel inferior if they failed the 11+, plus, Chris? Well, the second question first, I failed the 11+. plus. Did you feel um, inferior? Well, I passed it two years later, and, and according to Mensa, I got a pretty high IQ in the 140s, so you could say I should be a bit aggrieved. Look, I was a bit aggrieved at the time, and I don't... I think it spurred me on. I think it depends on the child, to be honest. Mm. Um, what is important, of course, is that very able children should go to schools which stretch them, and children who perhaps are less academic should go to schools which suit them. So we are, broadly speaking, in favour of grammar schools, and we would say that, you know, Northern Ireland, where they've kept grammar schools and secondary modern schools, they have the best results in the United Kingdom. So, you know, it, it, look, it can label children. We have to, it has to be handled sensitively. My, my advice to government would be, yes, make the information available to parents, but don't get too much, don't get too caught up on them telling children that they're in the bottom 10% or the top 10%. And, you know, you can be in the top 10% and still know very little, because at the moment in this country, by the age of 15, we're two years behind the Chinese, for example, in mathematics. So you could be in the top 10%, but on international comparisons, and we have that information available, pretty low down. Uh, Chris, going off on a slight tangent, I've, I've been informed that you're on holiday right now. You're obviously a very intelligent gentleman. Why would anybody want to holiday in the UK? 
look, look, the UK is a fantastic country, and I think people get put off the UK only because of the weather. Well, I'm in Italy at the moment, and the other day I noticed it's 29 degrees in Rome and 30 degrees in London. Italy and Britain, fantastically rich countries. You don't just go abroad, I have to say, just for the weather, because there are other things you go abroad for. Culture, culture food, people. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, it's great, isn't it, that we've got that? I mean, I don't feel envious, really, because we've got great weather over here, but also it's wonderful that people can experience a proper summer holiday in, in the UK. But you go abroad for more for more than the weather, I'm sure. Chris, thank you very much indeed. Chris McGovern from the Campaign for Real Education. That's the point. You go abroad for a holiday because you get so much more. Why, why go somewhere where they speak your language? Well, I, I don't. I mean, you want them to, to have a, to have an understanding of it, but the, really, why? Everyone's. Why would you go to Wales for a holiday? Wales for a holiday? It's a night. It's a night stay at most. A night. You go there Saturday. You you have lunch there Sunday. You come back. You get home for Sunday evening. That's that's the most. Devon, I'll give you... I mean, it's a long drive to Devon, isn't it? So you, you probably want to spend two or three nights there. But, but doing what? Walking up hills, going to a museum to see a Roman coin and a fossil. You are kidding me. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. On the A1, going northbound got two lanes closed off in Beeston because of an accident with a lorry and a car involved. It's at the new road junction. The car has overturned and the road has been blocked, but traffic is effectively just sneaking past on the hard shoulder, so it's causing a fair few delays through there. The southbound side of the A1 is still queuing in its usual spot, coming down toward the Black Cat roundabout. Busy on the A1M from Hitchin towards Stevenage and slow on the A1 into London, approaching the Watford bypass. Looking at the M1 southbound, there's heavy traffic from Junction 10 at Luton Airport toward 9 at Redbourne. The A41 looking slow at Kings Langley where it meets the M25. On the M25, delays both ways through the roadwork section from the A1M toward the A10. And anti-clockwise, very slow from the M1 round to the M40, junction 21 to 16. It's replacement buses for First Capital Connect between Watton at Stone and Stevenage. This because of a signalling problem. And the Bakerloo line tube still runs with minor delays. Stonebridge Park to Harrow and Wealdstone because of a signal failure at South Kenton. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thanks very much. 8.30, news and sport now. Here's Catherine Boyle. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Ian McLaughlin, the escaped prisoner wanted in connection with Saturday's fatal stabbing in a village near Berkhamsted, has been arrested. Labour's spokesman for Milton Keynes South is seeking assurance that his uh, area's hospital's agreement to take on some of Bedford's children's services is only temporary. And the government is sending teams of troubleshooters into hospitals in Buckinghamshire after placing the county's NHS trust into special measures. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. The England striker Wayne Rooney has been left angered and confused after it emerged that Manchester United do not plan to open talks about renewing his contract this summer. It's understood Rooney's expressed his disappointment to senior figures at Old Trafford after new manager Jake David Moyes claimed Rooney would be second choice behind Robin van Persie. 
Better luck for our local clubs last night with victories in last night's friendlies. MK Dons beat Brackley 2-1 with penalties from Isel McLeod and Giorgio Rizzullo. Stevenage beat a QPR 11-2-0 with goals from Luke Freeman and Greg Tanzi. Town beat Hitchin 4-0 at Topfield with goals from John Shaw, Sean Wally, Dave Martin and Jonathan Smith and Wickham were 3-0 winners at Staines. Josh Scowan, Dean Morgan and Joe Cafour were on that score sheet. Britain's Chris Froome has asked his Tour de France rival Alberto Contador on Twitter to take more care after the two nearly collided on yesterday's stage. Froome still leads by over four minutes but knows how easily that yellow jersey could be taken away. One little accident and uh, that, that could be the end of your tour so at the moment I'm just trying to take take the uh, least risks I can but stay at the front of the race. Everyone knows it's a dangerous descent and we've seen a lot of images from the past on this descent so I was aware that it was coming but uh, I didn't really think that the guys were going to take unnecessary risks there. Finally, tennis, and at the age of 32, Martina Hingis is coming out of retirement to play her first competitive match on the WTA Tour since 2007. The winner of five Grand Slam singles titles has agreed to play in the doubles at an event at California later this month. And that's your latest news and sport. I'll be back with more at nine o'clock. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning. Coming up, uh, we'll be talking to uh, Justin Dealey, who has been trying to find people who like to holiday in the UK. He has just messaged me. He's got a corker. He claims to have a corker. We'll find out what that is before nine o'clock. Let's get more now on the news that 11-year-olds could be ranked against one another, according to how they... Oh, no, sorry, I'm looking at completely the wrong thing. We'll have a look at that uh, a little bit later on. Let's go here, shall we? Yes. The government is set to send in hit squads into the hospitals of 11 NHS trusts, including Buckinghamshire Healthcare, where thousands of patients could have died needlessly. An inquiry after the failings at Stafford Hospital has highlighted examples of poor care incompetence and weak leadership following a review of NHS trusts with high death rates. Well, Jenny Baker chairs Health Watch Bucks. Good morning, Jenny. Oh, good morning. Jenny, you're a newly formed organisation. Can you explain what your role is? Yes, indeed. Um, we, we, Health Watch um, was set up really a few months ago as an independent body uh, to make sure that local people's voices on health and social care services across Bucks are held Uh, are heard both locally and nationally, uh, whether that's all about improving services today or helping to shape them for tomorrow. What's your reaction to the Buckinghamshire Healthcare NHS Trust being placed in special measures? Well, um, while we're naturally disappointed, like many of your listeners, I'm sure, that our local health and social care trust was put into special measures, we absolutely welcome the high level of public participation in the inquiry because, as we see it, hospitals uh, should see patients as part of the solution, and Health Watch Bucks is here to help that happen. What went wrong, do you think, at the two hospitals, Stoke Mandeville and High Wycombe? Um, I think um, uh, Sir Bruce Keir's report actually sets that out very clearly in terms of um, what, what, what happened and where the, where the improvements are needed. And I think uh, the report, um, as far as we can um, understand it uh, so far, having studied it, um, um, are, are, that there are sort of main areas of improvement very clearly set out and identified. And we're delighted that a specific action plan has been agreed and that there's a firm and speedy timetable to get the work done. 
hospitals being put on special measures. I'm imagining that there'll be lots of patients or potential patients who are quite worried. Do we know how that will affect patients? Um, it, I, 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 I imagine it won't um, in the day-to-day operations of the hospitals and our, our patients engaging with the hospitals. It won't make the slightest bit of difference. But uh, because this review will be going on behind the scenes um, and hopefully in the longer term there will be improvements and um, um, well there will be improvements because the hospital trust is being held to account on that but um, uh, I don't think patients today should be concerned about this because there will be business as usual. And uh, at Health Watch Bucks, what will you be doing to help Bucks Healthcare NHS Trust? Well, like everyone else, we're carefully considering the findings and recommended actions to see how best we can contribute. That end, we'll be meeting with Anne Eden of the Bucks Health Trust and we'll be gathering um, the opinions of service users and their families and carers and experiences uh, in the light of the, the peer review. Um, in the next few days, we'll also be bringing together our expert volunteers who lead on our fact-finding work uh, to consider how best we can ensure that the voices of everyone uh, who uses Buckinghamshire healthcare services are properly heard uh, in the context of the review. So um, that's what we're, we're, we've got a busy few um, few weeks ahead of us. Jenny Baker from uh, Healthwatch Bucks, thank you very much indeed. Now, Julie Smith's mother was at Stoke Mandeville Hospital when she was discharged in the middle of the night wearing just her hospital gown. The hospital later apologised, which is nice of them, and her mother is now in a care home. Uh, Julie, I-, I would imagine you're not surprised that NHS Trust in Buckinghamshire has been put on special measures? Uh, no, not at all. Not after our experiences, no. Um, I think, you know, closing a High Wycombe Hospital has been the biggest downfall for the Bucks area, I think. Um, and we've got three good hospitals in and around this area, Amersham, Wickham and Stoke Mandeville, but I just think they're all just stretched to breaking point. For those who haven't heard your story before and, and your mum's story, what happened? Um, well, she was just, she rang me late at night on um, the 12th of January to say she'd got breathing problems, so I rang an ambulance. They took her into Stoke Mandeville without telling me. Um, I then found out that she was there, so I rang them and I said, look, she's got um, dementia. Um, if you need any, do you need me to come over, basically? I didn't want to. No, 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 because we were obviously were very busy, et cetera, et cetera. So I said, um, well, uh, please ring me, um, because obviously mum doesn't know what tablets she takes um, and what for, et cetera. And they said, no, that's fine. That's lovely. Thank you very much. And that was it. That's all I heard. And then it got to sort of quarter past two in the morning, and I thought, well, I haven't heard anything. It must have done something for her by now. So I rang her up to be told that she had um, been discharged um, in a taxi and that uh, there was nothing wrong with her. And the taxi driver couldn't find her home. When I rang the taxi firm, they couldn't find her home, and Mum was disorientated, obviously being half past two in the morning. Um, And then the taxi driver left her in the lobby of the... The, the sheltered accommodation where she lives and not take her to her flat as I'd asked her to do so um, so she was found at 6 o'clock in the morning by one of her neighbours shivering um, with cold um, because she was just in a hospital gown I mean that's no way to treat no, an elderly there's no way to, there's no way to treat anyone at all is it to no, be honest not anyone but especially an 85 year old lady who's infirm anyway yeah dementia um from your experience julie what are what's the cause of these problems is it lack of funds lack of staff is it lack of concern 
Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, but they did a report, and in the report they said lots of different things, um, and, it, you know, it's a learning curve for us, and it was things that they would make sure didn't happen again. Um, and I think it's just because we have lost Wickham Hospital, um, A&E department, which mm. means that everything goes to Stoke Mandeville, and Stoke Mandeville can't cope. They are really, really stretched. But on the same issue, my mum was readmitted to hospital in March, and they again discharged her at half past ten at night, um, even though it was her GP who had sent her in for a place of safety. And it was lucky that my son was on his way home to Aylesbury, and he happened to just call in to see how Nan was getting on, and so we thought, oh, good, we're glad you've turned up. You can take her home. Uh, so that was lucky. Otherwise, they would have got a taxi and sent her off again. Um, and then they were going to do the same thing two days later. Um, and I had to ring her GPs to say, look, this is what they're doing. They sorted it out. The matron phoned me um, and said, that, well, she's ready to go home. And I said, well, she's not. She's not to come home. And they, um, they wanted to. But anyway, with the GP ringing, they said that they would keep her um and once they had done their full assessment they could see that she had lost what they call mental capacity um and so they kept her in and then from there obviously she's gone to a care home now um but yeah i think i think it's i, I think it's right well, i think it's the government they're just closing down all these different departments and they're just you know, not taking into account that High Wycombe is a big area. We need an A&E department. We need the facilities that we used to have here. I mean, just to say that you can only go there for heart and stroke, and if you sort of cut your finger and you just need plaster putting on it, I mean, that is ridiculous to have to go all the way to Stoke Manville, or, as my son told me, in most cases, if it's anything else, you now have to go to John Radcliffe, which is Oxfordshire. Yeah, I've, I've heard I've heard examples of people being being sent there. Julie, uh, how's Mum doing now? Is she all right? Yeah, um, yeah, she's up and down. Which obviously, you know, old depend, dementia patients are they good days, bad days? They want to still go home, you know. But uh, hey ho, it's one of those life little things. But I, I really think, you know, somebody must do something about these. Uh, these problems within High Wycombe. Well, Julie, it looks it looks like things might be being done. I appreciate you uh, sharing your story again. That's Julie Smith, 08459 455 555. Should we a quick look at the front pages of the papers? We've not done it all morning, for goodness sakes. Let's see what's happening here. There's, uh... Oh, who's... Oh, uh, there's the, the new voice of today. Yes, it's, they've got a woman doing it, which is, which is great. I don't quite... There was a big fuss about this. There's a woman presenting today on Radio 4. Oh, well done, great. BBC Radio 4's Today programme has appointed Michelle Hussain to its uh, presenting team after a high-profile campaign for more female voices. There are, I've often said this, there aren't enough women on the radio. There aren't, are there? How many female presenters have we got here? One. One who's on air with their own show. And how many shows a week does Helen do? One. I may be talking myself out of a job here, but I've often... You listen to any radio station. How many female presenters are there? Not many. Now, some people say, well, because they're not as good. That's clearly nonsense, isn't it? It's, it's odd, isn't it? It is. It's a weird kind of thing. With BBC Three Counties Radio, we've only got one lady presenting a show. We've got some, you know, female... Report- we'll, let some, we'll let some girls go out and do some reporting. So we'll send some girls out to do little three-minute packages, but you're not having your own show. Get real. Get real, sister. Um, the, uh, the front page of the Telegraph, shaming of NHS as care crisis laid bare, um, and uh, all primary pupils to be ranked by exam results. The Independent, blood money. 
UK's uh, 12.3 billion arms trade with repressive states. Oh, hello. Government approves thousands of sales to states it condemns for human rights abuse. Excuse me. The government has issued more than 3,000 export licences for military and intelligence equipment worth a total of £12.3 billion to countries which are on its own official list for human rights abuses. We're doing that, are we? Oh, well, that's nice. Oh, that's nice. We're sending weapons to those guys. Great stuff. There's a picture on the front page of The Times of a baby pygmy hippopotamus in what looks like the mushy peas. It likes the mushy peas. Cameron hammers labour over failure of NHS trust and murderers are among 800 prisoners on the run. Oh, happy days. They'll be running very slowly in this heat, so we should be able to catch them. The Daily Express. Warning, two days of killer heat. OK, and devastated. Oxo mum Linda Bellingham, 65, vows to beat cancer. The Daily Mail. There's been a lot of politicising about this NHS uh, stuff that was revealed yesterday. A lot of it, I've got to say, slightly inaccurate. Because, hang on a minute, haven't the Coalition been in power for, like, three years? Something like that? But yet, I do find it really lazy. And we've had, we've had some politicians come on and do it, and they do it both ways. But when you get a, a, a Conservative or a Lib Dem go, well, the reason we're in such a state is because we were handed by the last government. Well, hang on a minute. You've been in power for three years. At what point do you stop blaming the people who were in before you and start accepting responsibility? It's like I, if I buy a house and live in it for three years. Well, the, the reason it's so cold in this house is because the, the people who were here before ruined the heating and left all the windows broken well hang on a second you've got to start taking responsibility anyway daily mail labor's day of shame over the nhs uh, and the sun there's two women on there um uh, one showing her cleavage and uh, wayne rooney rooney why i want out of man united that's because i want more money i'm not being treated fairly it's not fair i'm wayne rooney travel news for beds hearts and bugs bbc three counties radio the A1 northbound in Beeston still delays. Two lanes, essentially the main road has been shut off after an accident with a lorry and a car involved at the junction with New Road. The car overturned, the road is completely blocked. What's happening at the moment is that traffic is getting past on the hard shoulder. In Roxton, the A1 looking slow as you come down to the Black Cat roundabout, busy on the A1M from Hitchin to Stevenage, and slow into London through Boreham Wood from Stirling Corner toward Mill Hill Circus. Disruption at the moment as you make your way through Luton. The A6 southbound delays. It is partially blocked by a broken-down lorry near to Stockingstone Road, quite near to Wardown Park. That's looking quite slow around there. If you're heading for the M25, it is slow both ways through the roadworks this morning between the A1M and the A10. And anti-clockwise is still looking pretty slow from the M1 round to the M40. On the trains, got a fair bit of disruption. First Capital Connect, replacement buses running between Watton at Stone and Stevenage because of a signalling problem. Bakerloo Line Tube, minor delays Stonebridge Park to Harrow and Wildstone because of a signal failure at South Kenton. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. 8.47, it's uh, Wednesday the 17th of July. <clears throat> I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines, excuse me, on BBC Three Counties Radio. Ian McLaughlin, the escaped prisoner wanted in connection with Saturday's fatal stabbing in a village near Berkhamsted, has been arrested. Labour's spokesman for Milton Keynes South is seeking assurances that his area's hospital's agreement to take on some of Bedford's children's services is only temporary. In sport, Lewis Hamilton is concerned about Mercedes not being allowed to test the new tyres being brought into Formula One at the Young Drivers Test at Silverstone starting today. And coming up, Justin Dealey has a corker. No, it's not a medical condition. I'm not sure what it means, but we'll be hearing about it shortly. Before that, though, let's get the weather. 
Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning, Wendy Harrell here, and we've got uh, a hot day ahead. We've got a temperature of 20 degrees at Luton at the moment, and with all this sunshine continuing into the afternoon, we're expecting to get to the top 20s, if not hitting 30 degrees Celsius, so a hot day. Now, there is a very small chance late afternoon and evening that uh, one or two thunderstorms will build up. Now, if that happens at all, they'll be very isolated, and you'll be jolly unlucky to get caught in them. Most of the day is going to be dry, and the evening and night time period will be as well. A lot of clear sky, temperatures taking a long time to fall back to around sort of 15 or 16 degrees Celsius and another pretty uncomfortable night for sleeping. And then we do it all over again tomorrow. Sunshine from the word go, perhaps just a little bit of hazy cloud to begin with. And by the afternoon, a temperature of 28 degrees Celsius. But if this is all a bit too hot for you, well, Friday and the weekend might be a little more fresh. There is going to be a breeze that picks up from the east. Temperatures on Friday, something like 24 or 5 degrees Celsius in the sunshine. And over the weekend, the low 20s, but still plenty of blue sky to be had. That's how it's looking for now. Thank you, Wendy. If you've missed any of the programmes from the last week, you've missed things like this. Mum's been stabbed. I mean, the most unlikely thing you ever expected to hear when you answered that phone on that day. But there is a way you can hear it all again. My younger sister, living with my mum in a little cottage, rang me to say, Mum's been stabbed. Go to bbc.co.uk slash three counties and click on Listen Again. All of our programmes are available for seven days, allowing you to listen to what you Uh, A little bit of a travel update. The A1 has been closed between Beeston and Seddington in Bedfordshire near Sandy following an accident between a pedestrian, oh dear, and a vehicle. Uh, It happened on the northbound carriageway, but both directions have been closed to allow the air ambulance to land. Uh, The ambulance service expects the A1 to be closed for a considerable time. There'll be people in their cars going, oh, flipping it. It's it's, it's not fair to be stuck here for hours. Someone's obviously very seriously injured. Always, if there's an accident and you see an air ambulance or an ambulance whizzing past, just, you know, just calm down a little bit. Someone's obviously in a bit of trouble. Uh, Now, holidays in the United Kingdom. Tourism experts are predicting a big boost to the UK industry because of the hot weather. The school holidays approaching, hotels, B&Bs, caravan caravan parks and tourist attractions like, I don't know, museums and hills in this country are all expecting a boom or a boon in sales. But surely it's only fleeting. And why would anybody want to holiday in the United Kingdom? Well, Justin Dealey, who's virtually got Ibethan citizenship, uh, joins me now. Morning, Justin. I heard your comments about the tan earlier on, calling me orange. Uh, very, well, very harsh, white boy. Uh, well, uh, well, harsh but fair. Yes, yes. Yes, you look like a Satsuma. Thank you. Uh, we've had some texts, Justin, two completely different texts. Listen to this. Jay's in High Wycombe says, stop bigging up foreign holidays. They're, o- they're overrated. Right. How could... How can a trip to a foreign country be overrated? You're going to the wrong foreign countries. Yeah. We can't afford a holiday this, this year. Not had one for about four years, but had some great day trips in, in the UK. Uh, you yeah. should be supporting the UK economy. By I support the UK economy by paying vast amounts of tax. By going to some of the wonderful places here. Not swanning off to dodgy Spanish or Greek resorts. Flights full of screaming kids. No thanks from Jez and High Wycombe. Oh, come on. But, and, then, and then we have the opposite, opposing view from Andrew. 
Morning. I try to go to one of the Canary Islands once a year. For the price of a hotel for a week in this country, I can have a week with flights. And this will give me great weather, blue sea. Also, my idea of a holiday is to get away from being ripped off. Andrew. Exactly. Exactly. In this country, if you want to go away, it's actually going to cost you more money. Yes, the weather's fantastic right now, but we all know it's not going to last. And I think a lot of people who have been uh, holidaying in this country will also have the same thing. You go away expecting the weather to be half decent because it is summer, and then it lashes down with rain for the whole week and you've wasted all your money. Yep, yep. Now, you've been speaking to people about this, haven't you, Justin? Yeah, got a great clip coming up here. This is uh, Richard. Let's see if... Uh, is, this, is this your corker? Yes, I, I love oh, okay. this guy. He, he's, he's so brutally honest, and we may have people listening who totally agree. Let's find out. This is Richard. He is 53 years old. He has never been abroad in his life. He's got no interest whatsoever. So I put it to him, does he feel like he's missing out? And this is what he had to say. No. What's wrong with England? I mean, you don't fancy a bit of Spain? No. bit of Italy? bit of America? No, don't fancy any of that at all. Let him stay over there and we can stay over here. Well, there's nobody ever said to you, oh, come on, you're missing out. Come away with us. Never. So where do you go in this country, then? Anywhere. Coast. Depends what's happening. Anywhere, really. And you never see yourself going abroad? You never see yourself changing at some point? Nope. Never seen myself at all. <laughs> Typical Englishman, stay at home. You're setting your ways, aren't you? Oh, yes, set, dead setting me ways. Okay, just lastly, of all of the, the friends and family that you've got, are you the only person who has never been abroad? Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> You're a one off, aren't you? I'm a one off, mate, yeah. I'm a one out of test tubes, they call it. <laughs> Especially now with all the cheap flights as well, you know, it's, it's a great oh, time yeah. to go abroad. Oh, You're not is. interested. Yeah, yeah, hasn't appealed to me Spain, France, Belgium, none of them. Oh, stay here. Right, but well, Belgium, I can understand. It's as dull as, <laughs> as dull as ditch water. It's a terrible, terrible place. Uh, but Spain is fantastic. The Spanish food, the French food, yeah. and also um, Americans get knocked unfairly because it's it's something like only ten percent of them have got um, passports. Mm. That figure is, is slightly plucked from the air, but it's something like that. They don't need passports in America because they have every type of weather and setting in that one continent. You've got the snow of Alaska. You've got the beaches in California. You've got the yeah. bustling city life of uh, of New York. You've got the deserts. You've got mountains. You've got everything it's there. Beautiful. That's why they don't need passports over there. The country's so big. But how many people can we find this morning, 50-plus a bit like Richard, yep. who have never, ever been abroad for a holiday? They've got no interest in it whatsoever oh, because everything they need is here for, for them in this country and they simply won't be changed. Can we find anybody We've got five minutes. 08459 455 555. Is there anybody who is prepared to admit that they are of an an age and have never been abroad? I pity the foos. I really pity the foos (laughs) who would not want to go abroad. Cracking. Absolutely cracking. You've been to Luton Airport, haven't you, as well? Yes, I have. Now, obviously, Richard's not been abroad, but a lot of people flying off to uh, hot destinations from Luton Airport. I've been talking to those this morning and I asked them why they decided to holiday abroad rather than the UK and this is what they had to say. Well morning guys, madam, what's your name? Willie. And who have we got here today? Um, my husband James, um, Reginald, Fergus and Elvis Jake. And how old are the kids? Uh, Ten, six and four. Now you're all dressed up, you've got your shades on, you've got your hat on. Yeah. Tell us where you're going. Barcelona. Barcelona. Tell us why you prefer going abroad rather than having a holiday here in the UK and be completely honest. It has to be the weather. Yeah. It has to be the weather. We went to Cornwall last year and we were freezing on the beach and we sat on the beach and we said next year we're going somewhere where it's hot so we're off to Spain I mean as it turns out the weather here is beautiful right now but then again that's sod's law isn't it yeah of course it is Um, you know you, you just have to plan it when you can we booked it in January and uh, hopefully it'll still be sunny when we get back. Mm. 
be able to show off our tan. So it's your last chance now. I can't convince you to not go into the airport. I can't convince <laughs> you to go to Bognor, to Cornwall, to the New Forest. You're not interested? I can offer you some good deals? No, no. We're off to Spain. Okay. We're going to enjoy it. Aren't we, guys? Yeah. A bit of yeah. culture for the kids as well. Yeah, yeah. we're going to take them around um, Barcelona and show them the sights. So we're really looking forward to it. Have a fantastic time. Thank you so much. OK, thanks very much. Because the weather is consistent, more consistent and reliable abroad than it is in the UK. You, you, take, uh, you don't take the risk. Mostly the weather, but different experience, different culture. Cheaper. I'm very cultural, so yeah. I like to see different cultures of different places. Um, climate as well. So they're, the, they're my main reasons, I think. See, it makes it makes sense, doesn't it? Go, it does. Let me read you some of the Facebook comments, uh, uh, Justin. Uh, Rick says, one of my biggest gripes here is the standard of accommodation for what you pay in the UK. Even recently, we've stayed at perfectly acceptable places on the continent for €60 Euros a night. In England, unless you're on a special offer, that wouldn't go far at all. We've got the scenery, the food, the entertainment and the population. Just the hotels and the B&Bs let us down. Um, Graham says, what's a holiday? Uh, Lorna says, with a family of seven, it's local UK holidays for us. There's so much to see and explore in this country. Uh, and Michael says, oh, I'm so glad I can get BBC Cambridge. Oh, hang on a second, that's rude. No, <laughs> that's not helpful to anyone, is it? Thank you, Michael. How naughty of you. Hi, Mike. Yeah. Just, I, can't, see, I can't imagine you, Just, turning up to a caravan park in Somerset and, um, you know, going to the local bar for a light ale and che- checking into your caravan. You, I can't see you doing that. See, camping on the Pennines. The biggest deal for me is the weather. You know, when you're going to be going away, we all work hard. We're, we're working harder than we were watching. We work very, we very work. hard. Justin, despite what they say on those internet forums, we work hard. (laughs) We work incredibly hard. And when I go away, what I want is a chance to relax, have a break, and to be fair, the thing that I want is the weather. Mm. If I was guaranteed the weather in this country, if you said to me, you can go away for a week in the UK, you can go to the New Forest, it's going to be sensational weather for the whole week, I'll probably take it. But in saying that, it's the expense of it as well. We're supposed to be encouraging people to go away in this country. Well, you're hardly encouraging me. If I can get a cheaper deal right now, go online and go abroad. It's not worth it for me to holiday here in the UK. I mean, one of the reasons it, it, it is um, cheaper for you, Justin, to go on holiday abroad is because right. you share a room with your mum and dad. Oh, dear. That's, dear. that's true, isn't it? It is true. But now, Your last holiday, yes, he's yes. in his 30s, this bloke. You say 30s, I'm being yes. kind. Yep. His last holiday, a few weeks ago, he went to Ibiza, he shared a room with his mum and dad? Yeah, but they kept the price down by £300. <laughs> Come on! <laughs> Wonderful. That's incredible! Yeah, I know, and I'm proud of it as well. Justin, lovely to talk to you. See you anyway, tomorrow. Cheers, Ta-ta, there we go. 08459 four double five five double five. I'm out of time for this morning, but that is the phone number if you want to give uh, JVS uh, a quick call. Let's do some more of these uh, Facebook comments. Uh, because the UK is all I can afford, says Louise, there are beautiful areas, not many hours from three counties, New Forest, Cotswolds, great for short breaks, weeks away camping, then going north, north, go north for a holiday. Uh, and uh, Rick says we've been lucky spent many fantastic holidays in the Caribbean but if you can get lucky with the weather then the Welsh beaches are fantastic Travel news for beds, cards and bugs BBC Three Counties Radio Delays on the A1 northbound through Beast and there are still two lanes shut following an accident with a lorry and a car involved at New Road. Congestion is back to Biggleswade North and the Sainsbury's roundabout. The car involved in that accident overturned. The road is effectively blocked but traffic is sneaking past it on the hard shoulder. Southbound on the A1 you've got delays at the Black Cat roundabout. It's busy on the A1M from Letchworth towards Stevenage and then slow on the A1 into London approaching Stirling Corner. 
New Bedford Road, the A6 in Luton. Partially blocked by a broken down lorry southbound near to Stockingstone Road. That's quite near Wardown Park and it's looking slow around there. Milton Keynes quite busy on Standing Way. The A421 from Steinbeck Crescent up toward Watling Street. The A5 in Dunstable is busy at the A505. And then in Hemel, there's delays on the A414. It is looking slow between the Leverstock Greenway and the M1 at Junction 7. The M25, pretty busy both ways through the roadworks. Anti-clockwise also slow from the M1 to the M40. Replacement buses, First Capital Connect, Watton at Stone to Stevenage. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Thank Radio. Thank you, Adam. That's it. Back tomorrow, bright and early at six o'clock. Stick around, JVS is up next. Until tomorrow, from me, ta-ta. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. Good morning. Welcome to the JVS Show. I'm Jonathan Vernon-Smith. Wednesday morning and on today's big phone-in, should it be more difficult for learner drivers to get their licence?